0: Two,
1: one what's good everybody it is another episode of Styles and dress and uh, we are coming at you uh, not so live but live for us until we release this later on in the week but uh, live and direct from the Rock Lords headquarters over in North Minneapolis care of stepchild and uh, we've got ourselves a very very special guest um, I was telling Ozzy about this recently, and I just said, "It's kind of it's funny that it's like we we've been getting up so many uh, like putting on so many people from Assassin's Crew, and (laughs) (laughs) and like Assassins affiliates, and I just had this really like funny kind of thought about it, which was that um, I, I don't think there's like one blockhead. That I've ever met that has ever repped or been like connected to Assassin's Crew. Like I've never met like any, you know how sometimes like, you know, you go out to New York and it's like some prestigious ass crew and like five of the members are just fucking dummies. Well, no, no, in in Assassin's Crew, there's such a high bar. Everybody is incredibly um, prolific and uh just very top minds as well as top dancers so um without further ado we want to uh bring on to the podcast mr gorilla will
2: yo 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 what's going on
1: <laughs> welcome welcome gorilla will i think this is the first
0: time you and i are meeting yeah unless we met yeah. and i was just really drunk or high mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like kind of close to what's going on right now i'm just really high right now yeah. but I'm, I'm not drunk
2: <laughs> we ain't low yeah yeah <laughs> it's like um I know I know uh styles from our our podcast yeah he, he showed love, he showed love in our podcast. I think outside of that, the only person I really know from i think your area is uh is stepchild
1: mm-hmm. yep oh yeah okay. yeah, because we we've got a commonality in that um you were a chapter leader for the uh for the virginia beach uh well it, was it technically Virginia beach area or was it like like the greater d c uh chapter of? Uh, Zulu? No
2: for the seven cities. So okay, uh, okay.
1: southern southern virginia. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm. So um and you know of course we were the omega zulus for a number of years. So yeah, it, it would only be like anybody who was like connected would run across uh, stepchild to like one extent or another i mean it didn't matter if it was like the zulu anniversary or if it was the uh, uh tbb anniversary any of that kind of stuff i mean steps went out to new york so much that everyone thought that he lived out there yeah. <laughs> so i'm pretty sure that you guys <laughs> crossed the paths but yeah man welcome uh welcome to styles and dress uh thank you for taking the time to be on and stuff and yeah, you know a pleasure to have you yeah
2: on. no thanks for having me man
1: Oh yeah. And yeah, well, for for those who maybe don't know, um, uh, you and, uh, Decimus, uh, AKA Mr. Talcum X, um, (laughs) (laughs) y'all, uh, y'all, y'all had this podcast, uh, called the thread count, which I was a really big fan of because, um, I, I was like, there are very, very few podcasts that are out there currently even where um you guys would just like focus on a bit of everything and um and I, and I love that i love the rogan format right where it's just like you just you whatever you're feeling in the conversation in the moment you might have a topic but then ultimately you can like stray away from it and then come back and get into music and you know bars and rick flair sound bites and shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was just like, um, I was, I was always digging that and uh, I was a real big fan. So yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of nice to be able to have it come around full circle and, and have like, it's, it's been you, it, uh, uh, it was, uh, Decimus, uh, Junius. Um, I, I want to get, uh, uh, Rashad and, uh, future on nice. here, you know, um, at some point, cause you know, they got affiliation with Minnesota. Um, they've come out and judged a couple of events out here. And, you know, um, with, uh, in association with all day studios who, um, we do, uh, our uh, house dancing sessions, uh, at, at their location and stuff. So I'm just like, man, it, it just, everybody that's out there from like that whole area of like DC and, uh, Virginia beach and. North Carolina and stuff man y'all got some great great dancers and just good scenes like not even they don't even right. have to be big scenes they're just good scenes like really good solid people so you know props and respect to everybody that's out there on the uh on the east coast uh just a little south of the Mason Dixon line so
2: <laughs> appreciate it man the yeah. good old bible belt
1: oh yeah oh yeah and then, um so uh so yeah man so so you also uh, represent aside from Assassin's crew um, you're also part of Funk Lords and um, uh, the third crew, which my phone just timed out here. Just give me one second here. Solar Flare Natives. So, yeah, that's some serious so, shit.
2: <laughs> so so uh, our Zulu chapter was uh, Chapter 30, uh, Solar Flare. Was OK. Our chapter name. OK, word. But um, after all the all the. Am I allowed to curse on here? I don't think oh, i ever. Oh,
0: abso- uh, fucking loopy. Yeah. dude. Oh yeah, yeah. say well, whatever after, the hell you want.
2: <laughs> after all the fuckery, you know, mm-hmm. after all this, the, the Zulu fuckery, yeah, you know, we kind of we kind of broke off and did our own thing. Yeah, um,
1: that's what we did. Too. We
2: are we're now affiliated with the union, mm-hmm. so we are uh, doing some work with them. Okay but um but it's kind of like we we still do our own thing. Okay, the work. name was really hard so we kept it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's there's there's like a lot of cold blooded names that are out there. I mean, you know, um it's like we were the Omega Zulu and then our um sister affiliates from Italy were the Omega Zulu Maasai. So we're the uh the last two uh crews to be or not crews but um chapters to be put down by Phase 2 himself uh nice. before he passed away. Um and then there's like um, who are the who, uh, who is it uh, the like the two hundred nine Zulus and then you had uh, that that other one from the Bay Area. Um, um, was it the two hundred six? Okay, yeah. And then there was like, yeah. but but there were a few other ones that were out there that were just like real tough names. I was just like, yo man, y- super bad. Yeah,
2: super bad chapter had the dopest name. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, geez.
1: And. <laughs> you know, it just, it just kind of tells you, like, it, there, was, there was something that was interesting about that, um, just to kind of get on uh, Zulu a little bit, which was that I think all of us came up at a time where we were, we were heavily influenced by native tongues and uh, Wu-Tang and, like, a lot of um, the uh, underground hip-hop that was starting to kind of teeter its head above mainstream waters and start to kind of be in, like, you know, uh, the public eye. And people would always be like, "Yo, what's up with this Zulu Nation thing?" You know, and we would hear it all the time. And then eventually, you know, you start digging enough, and then you start, you know, getting that history. And um, then there's like a thing where it was like, we felt almost as if like, okay, so we got to be down with this because we need to, we need to know, right? Um, right. There, but again, like in all things in life, right? It, you know, experience and um, wisdom only come or I'm, I'm sorry wisdom only comes from experience and experience comes from uh good choices and those good choices actually come from poor choices so <laughs> you know it's, it's it's like one of those things where sometimes like we gotta we gotta get out there and we gotta like you know uh get into those situations to really stop and realize and go like yo um it's not any one region or block or borough or name that is hip-hop or that is house or that is um, uh, funk styles or anything—it's—it's it's us. It's the people. You know, it's—it's right. it's made up of all the people under the sun that are vibing on um, the same ideals. And sadly, you know, um, there were a lot of people that got caught up in like the uh the, the the urban mythology that seems to develop right you know there's there's always like yo man best dancer that ever came out of the five boroughs was a guy named dookie mike and dookie mike and uh Scu- <laughs> scuba steve they was like you know they did this move it was incredible i never seen anybody do it you know and it's just like and it's like when was that move you know like 71 72 and you're like okay and then you know you're trying to verify all this shit and everyone else is like <laughs> you know saying <laughs> right
2: and and as it turned out yo Dookie Michaels on Angel Dust. Yeah, exactly, like,
1: exactly. And people, he, and, yeah. and he killed man, six man. people. You know and he, and he did, you know, right. he did 15 years in Rikers and you know now he sells, you know, scooters in Staten Island or some shit, you know. <laughs> He's just kind of like hey, yo, <laughs> yo,
2: I yo we have this conversation on such a regular basis uh-huh. like um the whole bam thing, right? Yeah. Like Number one, it, it, it threw all of us for a loop because we're right. like, what? Right. Because like, we all put so much into right. this thing. Yep. And we believed that. And, and I'm not going to say we believe. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of really, really good work.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: We helped a lot of people mm-hmm. in in this name. But yeah. it was just like unfortunate that this person that we put on this pedestal mm-hmm. was a, a D bag. Yeah. Yep. yep. At the very least, I can call him. I'm going to relax. But, yeah. <laughs> But if we we fall into this habit of like all these people that we that we elevate mm-hmm. have been disappointing us. But right. like we got to realize where they're coming from, like, right? Like a lot of these cats were on drugs. Uh-huh. A lot of these cats were. A lot of these cats uh, had mental health issues yeah. and, that never got resolved. Yep. I mean, and that's a whole other thing. Right. But right, still, like, and we're like, oh man, yo, like, like yo, like, I'm sorry. Yo, Crazy Legs been a dick since day one. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs>
3: word. <laughs> word.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that <laughs> and and that shit goes that that shit goes back to like, you know, a lot of people that that talked about it that came from TBB lineage. We're all like, yeah, you know, there there's some people that um we knew of that were like the um kind of like the, the little ankle biter, you know, rug rat kid that would come out to the jams and shit. And eventually when we all started phasing out, he was the only one that was still around, so he was able to take up the mantle and be like the spokesperson for breaking, and yep. um, and that that's tough. That sometimes that can be a very heavy um, a heavy crown to wear because I mean you go back and you watch like you know Style Wars and shit when they were asking like questions to you know the rock dancers and shit like you know who invented this and stuff and they were like um yo um it was you know and they're they're asking this to like an eleven twelve thirteen year old kid who you know it had only been breaking for a couple of years and it just existed there was never like a inception of like oh yeah we used to watch the rock dancers that mainly danced on top and then we started you know seeing brothers that were going to the floor and that was that down rocking that bronx rocking you know it was like no n- nobody knew they just it was just a thing right it was just a phenomenon right. that just popped up and it just comes with, you know, um, urban, uh, um, urban artistry, uh, you know, shout out to urban artistry. Um, but like, you know, yeah, so um, and it's just like, you know, but like just the, you know, uh, f- uh, folk art, right. Just places where they say, how does anything manifest? How does a martial art get created? You know, it's like one day a guy just decides, Hey, I favor m- going to the left instead of the right. And then you know, let it let that marinate for about 200 years, and all the students and disciples are like, Yeah, we only go to the left, we never attack to the right, you know. And it's but it was only because the guy was like, Well, hey, it's because I, I wasn't ambidextrous, I just favored, I, I, I like the left, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and and then, you know, eventually, you're gonna, th- but this is the beauty about like uh, about uh, folk arts in in the in the, the case of like why hip hop was so unique, as well as like house and other things, is that you can have um. Dialogue and battle, right? It's like I want to challenge you. I want to see if whatever it is that you're doing, maybe aesthetically is good, but does it really hold up? If I if I come out with a counterpoint, and it's just like, and and that goes back to like the Socratic method, right? You know, that's that's some that's some that's some Greek philosophy for your ass, where um, you know heads would just say, "Yo, what we're gonna do is have objective uh, discussion." So that way we can pressure test your idea. And then if it, if it does hold up, if it is like a diamond, then cool, we can move forward with it. If not, well, then you chuck it and you're on to like the next thing. And I think that that's like that was something to be said about uh, Zulu Nation and like Crazy Legs and all these other people was to not diminish um, hip hop as a whole and the culture right. as a whole. It was just to, to look at the, the reality, the stark truth, which is, again, like you pointed out, mental health, um, uh, coming up in areas where, um, you know, uh, like, you know, snitches get stitches and, you know, you're, you know, Catholic guilt and don't ever say anything, don't ask, don't tell, and, you know, victimizer, victimize kind of things, right? I mean, you know, people that were coming up in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens and places like that, they, they didn't have any... Like resources to be able to say, hey, you know, what that creepy uncle did to me when I was five, um, I can tell somebody and I can, you know, I, I can like heal from this. So then what right. ends up happening is like they either grow up and they become very angry and embittered and then they carry that out onto other people in their lives or they internalize it so much that they end up start acting out psychologically, you know, that, that victimizer, victimizee mentality that is often seen where a person will have had something perpetrated upon them and then their wires are crossed at a very impressionable age when they're, you know, like seven, eight, nine years old. And they think, oh, this is normal. This is just what happens, you know? So yeah, man, it's, but I think that what was cool about our generation, which kind of carries from like the nineties all the way through to like the, um, the two thousands and maybe even like the early, like the early tens, um, was the fact that we all had, a lot of super, super, um, enthusiastic and intelligent people that wanted to do something good and positive with art and movement. And, um, I think that, yeah, you know, like they always tell you, you know, to be careful of, uh, when you meet your heroes, but at the same time, look at what we as a society did, you know, we, we made it where like dancers can actually live, Off of a dance career when before it, none of the guys in RSC, you know, they weren't you know, going to competitions and becoming sponsored and X Y and Z. They they were just like yo, the biggest thing that we ever did was Beat Street or a a battle at Lincoln Center, and it wasn't until the '90s heads came and started like showing us and, and saying hey, guess what? We're still doing this. We're doing this in Florida. We're doing this in Europe. We're doing this in California. And the dance evolved, and then they started bringing. You know the original heads back and then now these guys were like yo i can make money judging and speaking at you know a uh, a jam or you know like A Q&A or something like that and being in documentaries and helping to coordinate you know um all these other things in movies and tv and everything but there's like a downside which is that you know if a person doesn't have that level of like training and professionalism it's very easy to bring that bullshit back right you know so yeah, it's it, it, it's such a it's such a, a, a double edged sword because it's like it's an experience that I, I I like I would never want to not have said that I was part of Zulu Nation because it, it taught me so many lessons and especially when when I started hearing like the rumors about Bam I was just like yo um, what. And people were like, yeah, it's it's some some fucked up shit. You know, it's still, it's kind of like, it's hearsay or whatever. And then finally, you know, when the articles and like the source and other um, interviews on YouTube and stuff started coming out, people were coming forward and saying like, yeah, you know, this this has been going on for a long time. And I didn't put it past them because of the fact that I felt like it was a telling sign when uh, if you get accused and you say and you, you hold your, your ground, just like the the core of hip hop, right? You you think that I'm I'm whack, we're gonna battle and we're gonna let you know let God decide who, who the victor is, right? Through our right. skill. Bam fucked off to Europe. You know, and, and it was like it was like moving a Catholic priest. I was like, You have got to be shitting me. That was the admission of guilt to me. You know So
2: the 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 funny well, the, the not so funny thing is mm-hmm. um there were a hits put out on Bam after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine people, like, people were, were actively looking for him and I'm like I don't want the guy to die right, that's not right. the kind of person I am right. however you know what I'm saying he played, played stupid games, won stupid prizes and shit right, but right. at the same time it also showed the deeper issue mm-hmm. that there's a whole network of these weirdos mm-hmm. who were in power for so long yep. who had the power to get him out of, yeah. out of the Bronx Right, and then be like, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't believe he did it." And I was like, "Man, look, okay, guys, like if somebody accuses your best friend, yo, mm-hmm. and you know your best friend didn't do it, stand by him, but you got to hold him accountable, regardless." Right, right. But they didn't hold him accountable. They were like, "He didn't do it. Where right. is he? I don't know. Somewhere in Europe." Right. Continuing to continuing to do weird things, Yeah. and then the the story really didn't get over to like Europe and and Asia and like mm-hmm. the Philippines and stuff. Yeah, a lot of those cats. Up until maybe like a month or so ago. Yeah. We're like, oh well what happened to Bam? And we're like, mm-hmm. well <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, this <laughs> well, has been
1: like, you know, several grab, years in the making.
2: Grab grab a cup of coffee. Let's let's have a talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. but, um Yeah, man, it's 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 unfortunate. Yeah. And um it's just like so many things. I think there's a there's an issue with wanting to have credit for mm-hmm. everything.
1: Right. like
2: you have to you have to know something or do something before everyone else right and that 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 makes people do weird things Mm -hmm. and and want and like clout chasing which is like a a term made up like what two years ago or something like that yeah yeah like it's a real thing right because people are now seeing you can get rich for having information before somebody else Mm -hmm. right. right and you know it's it's unfortunate it's really unfortunate but um I am happy that, you know, cats like yourselves, um, I know our chapter, uh, shout out to L1, mm-hmm. uh, Rob L1, um, mm-hmm. Nikki Sins, all the guys from uh thirty three, twenty five mm-hmm. up in New York. We had uh, a network of younger guys. Yeah. Like, maybe early 40s at the oldest. Yeah. Who were like our OGs. Mm-hmm. So we never spoke to Bam. We never spoke, like, mm-hmm. we spoke to Yoda every once in a while. Right. But like, there was, like, a younger constituency who always looked out for us, like, mm-hmm. from from jump. Like, my first trip to New York, like, uh, L1 was like, hey, man, like, where are you staying? We're like, mm-hmm. oh, Staten Island. He was like, all right, cool. Well, uh, call me when you get there. Yeah. Because, you know, we had to take, like, two trains, a ferry. Mm-hmm. Like, it was wild. Yeah. My phone died. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it. Oh, man. We woke up to use the bathroom, check my phone, and I got four voicemails. Mm-hmm. And my guy was like, "Yo, look, we were coming to look for you. We didn't know what happened." Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of people they are. And yep. that's when I realized that those were the real leaders.
3: Yeah. Right. Yep. Right.
2: Like it, those were the guys who were who were putting on for all of us and making sure that the work got done for the right reasons. Right. And so, you know, they showed improve. and Yeah. So and,
1: and that and that's the that's the core the real core tenet of hip hop, right? Is you know. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. The problem right. is that, like the dark side of the uh, of the coin, is people thinking that it's it means like you've got to celebrate and encourage a decay of values. When it's it's quite the opposite, right? It doesn't mean right. that you walk around and you act holier than thou because you know you you can be blinded by the light just as much as you can be blinded by darkness and, and shit. But it's more of the. Um, the idea of saying like yo this is a vehicle right this this is something that's like very similar to how something like capoeira or brazilian jiu-jitsu or um you know other art forms have been become like you know avenues for people to be able to um improve their their quality of life they say like yo man i was i was on like a downward spiral and then i met my sensei or my maestro or my sifu or whoever and they completely changed where I was going, and they gave me um, the ability to have uh, real ownership and a say into, like, the trajectory of my life as opposed to just being, like, you know, the streets kind of have, like, almost a a path that's just carved out that just says, you know, this is what it is, you know, get rich or die trying and, you know, know, have, you know, real, like, live by the moment, you know, because tomorrow's not guaranteed, which is... It's, it's great in, like, a Bushido philosophical kind of a thing to, like, live life to the fullest. But at the same time, if you're not rising to your true potential, then you're only ever going to be a foot soldier until eventually you've outlived your usefulness and you're eliminated by hook or by crook. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like that was always the dopest shit for me was seeing people who, like, um, I, I, was, uh, I was an aerosol artist. Um, and um, so when I was growing up and I was skating a lot, uh, skateboarding a lot... You know, I was connected with all kinds of writers in the Twin Cities, and we were always watching, like, Style Wars and um, just watching, like, Wild Style for the cameo appearances of, like, all these, like, writers and shit, and um, later on, when, like, other documentaries like Bomb It and um, uh, stuff were coming out, um, I was really appreciative of seeing artists who uh, were able to take their fame like what they were able to do back in like 83 and say well I ended up going to the New York School of Art and Design on a full ride scholarship and then I became a graphic designer and conceptual artist and I worked for music videos and TV and you know film and all this other stuff and then I also have art installations I have a permanent residency at the Smithsonian or whatever um you know they they they've got all kinds of stuff and it's like and they so they took something as base as, you know, writing on the wall and they were able to completely change their life with that. And that's all that I think that like the real potential of what hip hop was supposed to be um was realizing that like yo, um all of us here, we all have this ability, like we don't realize it, but we're we're all like building skills and having right. a work ethic. And that's giving Absolutely. us discipline and patience and um, assertiveness, being able to get out and like deal with confrontation. Because I think the cool part about hip hop and um, and and other like uh, street arts for that matter is that it is not a um, it's not a uh, uh, you don't get a gold medal for participating. It's a complete and pure meritocracy, right? Absolutely. It's like yo. It's it's like you are not going to get a black belt if you cannot choke out all 50 of these other black belts that are standing in front of you, right? It's like, you're, right. you're like, oh yeah, you've been here at this academy for, you know, two decades, but if you can't do the basics and the fundamentals and make them work, well then, you don't deserve the accolades or the props. You have to go back to the beginning and relearn this shit. So, you know, I think that the the big um, misconception that I think people have in, um, in hip-hop is that they think that it's just like okay well if I just get affiliated with like the right people then somehow I'm going to be laced up and I'm going to be put on and I'm like that's the worst thing that can happen to you because if Absolutely. you if you don't have that fucking skill and all of a sudden it's like all right now it's time for you to battle and you go out there and you you can't even dance you can't even rock and, and but you're part of like this this like legacy crew it's like you just completely Pulled, you know, the linchpin and the entire thing just came crumbling down. And it's like the leadership looks like, you know, shit. Your crewmates are all looking at you like the fuck. So (laughs) I think that 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 that's all the stuff that um, is like really like the pure and positive potential that I I see in like hip hop. But the negative, of course, is, you know, the skullduggery, the um, uh, the ears. you know, the people who are like, yo, man, I personally knew Big Dookie and cadillac mike and you know pig face and all these other people and and then like so somehow now they're like okay so i get i I deserve to get flown to florida and you know get paid to judge this competition yeah all right and then all of a sudden finally like somebody from like tbb or you know starchild la rock or somebody like looks at him and says what the fuck is he doing here and you're like oh yeah we you know we brought him on you know to be a, a judge of this battle and it was like everyone's like yo he didn't fucking dance back in the day and you're like huh you know, and that should, that's that's what a lot of the Europeans had to suffer, too, was like, you know, having, uh, you know, um, when um, Wonder Mike and Master G were put to pasture by uh, the Browns, um, when they still had the rights to their MC names for Sugar Hill Gang, they mm-hmm. ended up bringing Big Bang Hank and uh, Joe and Sylvia Brown's uh, son and one other dude, and they all came out and toured Europe. And started doing. They were rhyming, doing Rappers Delight, and you know everything else, and getting paid. While the the two original members, the actual MCs, not even the guy that was biting Grandmaster Kaz's lyrics, you know, but the actual like guys that were the legit MCs of the crew, were like left in the dust. And of course, in Europe at that time, you couldn't you couldn't uh, fact check it. You couldn't go on to YouTube and see and go, oh, like okay, so this is what Wonder Mike and Master G look like or we saw them at this uh this thing they were just like yeah, they just, you had the record yeah that they, was it they could just they could just do the old uh, the old texas switch and um and that shit i think is like this this is why all the the chickens are really coming to roost right now you know in hip hop is because people are going okay now we're, we're having this identity crisis people go like i've been doing this for like 25 30 40 years and i don't know where the fuck i stand is this all bullshit and it's like no This is getting the bullshit out of the way and saying, okay, whatever's left should be your foundation. You have the opportunity now to build something positive from it. And um, I see that all the time in people where they have absolutely everything taken from them. And then they actually come back like bigger and badder because they just said, yo, I need to get all these negative people out of my way. I need to get all these soul snipers out of my way, all these like sycophantic bullshit ass people, and I just need to get down to like my core group of of the ones that I trust with my life, and then those are the ones that will encourage you to be able to move mountains and that's that was really like the real power, the empowering thing about like realizing that you know um we don 't need Zulu, you know we just need what we 've got inside, and the template of hip hop is uh template, not temple. Um, is yeah, uh no, yeah is, is like just the it's just a flat out it's just a canvas, right? It's the it's the the space where in which we can create this art. You know what I'm saying? I think so,
2: I think we're at a spot now where people need to realize that the elements come second.
1: Yep. Yep. Right. Absolutely. People yep. people
2: and humanity comes first. Oh yeah. hundred yep. percent.
1: And and especially Black. when you battle people, it's like you you turn around and you say, like the reason why we battle is initially it starts with ego but what it actually kind of gets down to as you become more mature and you become more skilled is uh like what ozzy and i were talking about with it's a, uh, it's a game it's a game yeah, yeah that's with, all it is with it's frankie j and like we, we learned that in house like a thousand percent that's why I, th- I feel like house is kind of like a good um uh it's a, it adds like levity to all the aggression that you get from hip-hop hip-hop is kind of nice because it's like putting on the the uh the gloves and just hitting the heavy bag for an hour but then all of a sudden house is like going out in the park and doing tai chi or yoga or capoeira and you just want to flow and you just want to vibe and shit and you go like yo man i want to live with people not against them and you know and then sometimes you know somebody does come up and get out of pocket and then you do have to Show like okay yeah I know we're all playing the game right now but you just walked into a lion's den you know so just realize that you you got some steak sitting around your your neck you know and you're kind of coming in here you know giving it large and shit but you don't realize <laughs> that like all of us have got sharp teeth and um, that's that's what, another reason why like I respect um, uh, y'all and like uh, Junius especially because you don't have to go out and um, wear your accomplishments on your chest you just are who you are and that that has that weight and that's that's the reason why like i'm like yo man i respect these guys like mad because they're just they're intelligent and they're articulate and they're not like yo give me a pass because i'm just here and i showed up it's like no it's because i've been putting in work you know and and that's why i love listening to Junius when he's talking about like hey anybody want to come at me i'll give him that smoke Mm-hmm. You know, they you want to check my credentials? You know, they, they can read my resume here. And it's like a phone book full of just things that he's done and seen and experienced. And and that's the shit right there. That's that's really like the true art form, I think. And like the um, living up to and embodying what it is like you were saying, the elements come secondary. It's like what and we that, bring to the table. And
2: that was a junior's quote, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: don't, so if it goes out, that was uh-huh. how, how said that? We uh we all took a trip, and we were all just kind of, like, sitting mm-hmm. around, you know, kind of recharging before going yeah. into the next season or whatever. And he was like, yo, man, like, like people come first. He yeah. was like, all the, art st- all the art stuff is cool, right. and the art stuff is very useful. He said, mm-hmm. but people come first. Right. And I think people forgot that mm-hmm. because they, they center themselves for whatever reason, be it money, be it fame, be it whatever. Mm-hmm. And they they missed the mark. Yeah. They missed the point.
1: Right. There, there was um, – yeah. Something that that I I like I wholeheartedly agree with, and um, I'm sure you're familiar with um, one of our uh, Battle Cat alumni, Daylight, B Boy Daylight from Minnesota.
2: I've heard the name, yes. Okay,
1: so um, so Daylight has a really really valid point where he says um, hip hop is not a culture; it's an aesthetic. And I'm like, yeah, that's you're right. I mean, it it, it could because it's like go wind the, cl- the clock back like 300 years and you were still going to find you know hip-hop heads back then it wasn't it wasn't hip-hop it was that wasn't the art form but the same mentality because we're human beings we haven't changed the only thing that's right. changed is the hairstyle and the fashion you know and you know languages come and go and you know customs come and go but but ultimately it's like you know we we, we seem to go back to like um uh, Bruce Lee even said it, too, about martial arts. He said, you know, unless, like, we grow another couple of legs and another couple of hands and, like, arms and stuff, fighting is essentially going to be the same. No one's going to bring anything brand spanking new, um, you know, to the table. It's it's just going to be variations of the, of the same wheel that's always been turning for, you know, ever since time began. And I, I think of that a lot, and I just... So that that is like a it's an easier way to be able to deal with hip hop. Cause then you don't have to worry about building a belief structure on it. You don't have to make right. it into a religion and say, you know, okay, but my heroes, the, the, the people that are like in positions of power, um, they can't do any wrong because they got these positions of power. And it's just like, no powerful people are wrong all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be in a position where they have more money or they're up on the house overlooking the, the bluff or, you know, they can say something, and like fifty thousand people will move. Yeah, people to cover request. their asses. Yeah. pretty Yeah, yep. Handlers. <laughs> I feel like powerful
2: people are are wrong more times than not. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They, they clearly
0: it's because what they're, they're in like in a position of leadership, and they clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. <laughs> you
1: know, and right. It's quite um, comical. Cough, cough. Now and then. Fauci, CDC. <laughs> You know, Uh, it's like it's like it's so funny when when you go back and you watch like movies where people were always like, you know, oh, yeah, the uh, the the government G-Man and like, you know, these like grand conspiracies and stuff. And I'm like, dude, all those people don't know what the fuck they're doing either. They all. There's no I I honestly I believe that there's like there's people that attempt to try to have like these secret handshake cabals that, you know, (laughs) exist in like you know Switzerland and they all fucking twirl their mustaches and say you know oh yes we've had the same money since you know the first time that we were able to finance a war back in ancient europe and you know they're trying to do some like one world order kind of thing and it's just like but the but the biggest x factor is that human beings are very very incompetent i don't i don't know too many people that are that fucking organized i mean on on anything it's like tr- try to get like Again, you know, prime example. Look at like what we went through for the past two years. You figure right. if you know people are like, oh man, the government they're they're cracking down. They control everything in my life. I was mm-hmm. like, if they really were able to control all that shit, they would have just been able to like turn off the faucet and then turn it back on whenever they wanted to. No, they're just like, hey, we're we're kind of going on momentum, and we right. hope that you guys cooperate, and we hope that you guys are scared, and we hope that you guys can do this. But then all of a sudden, you know, case in point. I mean, you figured that there were going to be like lasers and attack bees and all this shit, you know, at the Capitol. And no, a bunch of dipshit conspiracy theorists stormed the Capitol with fucking buffalo helmets on and stuff. Buffalo helmets. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, bro. I'm like, this is. Oh my gosh! Like what? You know, it's, it's like, and and you know, and it's the same thing. Like we were talking about before. Um, I've had conversations about like uh, even with um. Um, systemic racism versus overt racism, right? Is right. that you see things that were implemented because they were passed as uh, as like laws and as policy, but when it comes down to people, that's uh, that's a very different story, you know. So you'll right. see people that maybe are prejudice, or you'll see people that have like a thought or an idea of what they think they know about uh, people of color or people of different genders or the lack thereof, um, but. Ultimately, what it really boils down to is um, the, the real changes need to be made through laws and policies, right? And, and saying, like, right. yo, man, we you know, because you can, you can come up and you could just, like, shame a person, and you can threaten a person, and they're still going to think or feel or do whatever the fuck they're going to do. But if you, Absolutely. But if you pass a law where you say, yo, anybody who comes close to a synagogue with a loaded weapon— that's it you're you're getting buried under the jail you know you decide to come out to a black baptist church and you know uh do this rah-rah that's it you're you're fucked you know because again it's this this is the same shit um i consider i equate to being uh domestic terrorism right you know you're you're terrorizing people your own country people right and, you know, immigrants and people that come over here, you know, that are trying to make a better life for themselves. And that's why, like, I think that, like, all the, the idea of racism itself is like it's a it's a mental construct. It's like a person just has it in their mind that, you know, oh, it's super easy to just like, you know, pick on you because of the amount of melanin that you have or the lack thereof versus actually like like we were saying about like BAM and everybody go back to like their origin story and find out, oh, you suffered years of abuse oh you have other QAnon assholes that are all like gaslighting you up saying that it's it's the black man or the the, the mexicans that are causing the the negativity and stuff and then you know when you really um when people have a full belly and they have opportunities it's interesting how their tune changes they kind of go like yeah life isn't quite as bad as i thought it was but when you're in like a state of desperation and you feel like your back is against the wall and nobody understands you it makes sense why people have that uh that kind of like uh that impulsive you know like heath ledger's joker you know like he was talking about in uh, batman where he's just like just watch if you if you pull the pins out of the structure of society watch how these people will consume themselves like cannibals and it's it's true yeah. You know?
2: And it's it's I had this conversation with a friend of mine. It's mm-hmm. like to a degree a lot of us are used to dealing with you know, things running out or right or you know, dysfunction or lack uh-huh. of funds or losing jobs and yeah. we are used to it. You mm-hmm. know what we used to we're used to weird mandates and, mm-hmm. and dress codes. Mm-hmm. God dress codes.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But it's like when you finally put that on somebody who's never had to deal with it, mm-hmm. And you see how quickly they they unravel. You know, yeah. how, how how fast the wheels come off. You're like, well, God, yep. well wait a well, wait a minute. Like <laughs> you can't really call yourself superior, guy. You're like right. you're snapping over toilet paper, my G. Like, come on, man.
1: Yeah. Well man. And, and, and look at the people that actually do carry out much of the lunacy that you see. It's never like the upright Uber mentioned shining example it's ne- It's never like you know there's never like the red skull of this group who's like highly organized and tenacious and articulate and is able to like you know spin this like elaborate web it's just it's a dumb fuck who just decided hey it's a good idea for me to like ram a car through um, a group of protesters or strap something you know to a vest and carry myself into a uh, populated place and just let it go and it It's sad because I feel like a lot of these people are in a position where they don't like the way the game is going and they just want to flip the table over. You know, they don't want to learn how to play the game and outplay their life it's like they again they don't have something like you know for instance like hip-hop right they don't have something that's going to give them um a merit system something to strive for something to um a skill to be able to to build and develop and that's like a much the the reason why um i'm a real big fan of um uh uh what's his name um he's uh converted over 300 um white nationalists and uh, former uh clans people um uh, Derek, is it, is it Derek Lewis? Derek, oh God. Um, oh, Daryl, Davis, them, Daryl Davis, I'm um, sorry. Daryl Davis. But Daryl Davis, he, he talked about this um, when he learned the history and like disseminated um, the information about the Klan. And he talked about, he said, what the Klan would do is they would find opportunities to see a mill town that just started to kind of dry up because like the resources are being taken and like the main job that everybody could go and like generate economy and revenue from that, that town is like gone. Right. You know, and they would come in and they would give you the whole Pied Piper, you know, Hey, um, like they start off as a union and then that union says, we're going to get your jobs back. And by the way, we're going to get your jobs back because the people that took them were people of a different color. And and so they try to flip it from being something that was economic, uh, economically based into something that was racial, much the same way that you saw like the big deception in the South was that you had poor white people that were helping fight for the Confederacy when they were not landowners. They didn't have slaves, but yet they were just given that little like nugget of, of, uh, of falsehood that says, oh, by the way, though, you're a little bit better. Like I would never let you into my fucking house and offer you tea and give you a five course meal, but you're a little bit better off than these people here because because we look cause we look alike, Cause right? We, it's us, right. It's us, baby. Yeah. Come on yep. <laughs> Which is so funny because like I, I was like I remember having this conversation with this guy who was on a, a, he was on a, a racial uh, tirade and he didn't realize who I was. So he was just sitting here, just saying all this rhetoric and shit, and I just started poking holes in every single comment that he made. Um, so much to the point where I said, um, "I said, okay, um, you, if if you've got all this, like all this, all this privilege, why aren't you using it? You know." Like, if you're so much better than um, black people and Asian people, and if you're if you if you know all the fucking angles, how come you're not living better? Why, come, are,
0: you, why are you still a piece of shit? Yeah, you know, it, right? And it's just like
1: you know, you you have not escaped the trailer court that you're bound to. And I says, congratulations, you are in the same state of economic uh, depression that people of color from like you know um heavily populated urban areas are in or even like you know back country areas where it's just like it's like yo we've had this the this, this shack this this like two room shack for two generations you know and that's that's just the way that it is and then you get people that just wake up one day and they say no, nah, I'm, I'm not settling for that. I'm going to go out and do something, whether they have to go to the big city or they have to um, start educating themselves or they have to find an opportunity through a mentor or a teacher. And they say, I want something more for my life. And they go out and they get it. And the next thing you know, they go, they go, oh my God, like a lot of this was self-created. Like I just bought into the hype that, yo, I have to stay here and I'm I'm going to die in this one horse town. And that's all there is to it. And I'm just I'm just gonna be a victim, and I'm like that's 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 why I told him I um, I said you know you'll look at that with hip hop right and I said okay you know this is a multi billion dollar industry that got invented by kids who ironed out their laces and spun on their back because they had nothing else to do right? right it was just like yo I'm I'm just gonna take fashion I'm just gonna invent my own thing I'm gonna go to these boutiques that were in, um, you know, uh, different parts of, uh, of Manhattan or, or Brooklyn even, and I'm going to get, you know, this brand that nobody else is rocking. This actually made for, like, an old man with an umbrella walking through some foggy London town, you know. I'm going to buy a Kangol hat, and that's why I love how Kangol leaned into uh, their, their product, because they said, um, uh, invented in 1938, made fresh in 1983. And I was just like, yo, that is such a dope way Brilliant. to just to, to just completely lean into this. Because it's like, yo, this used to be like the thing that, you know, the, the old chap would wear walking, you know, down the street. And then all of a sudden it was like all these kids were like, yo, but if I take this and I take like a wire brush and I, you know, scratch it up and I fade it and then I hit pack dye with it, I can make it into a different color. And because maybe my Jamaican ancestry, I'm going to put the Jamaican flag on this beast. And I'm just going to, you know, flip this and make it unique to me. And I'm like, yo, that, that right there shows that, you know, a person who's motivated enough can move mountains. And, you know, you see that with people who go to prison too, and they figure out, they go, yo, I don't have to just go out and try to get a job and just be turned down. I'm going to invent my own job. I'm going to create an industry and a niche and market myself. And, you know, it's like, what am I good at? Well, I was really good at doing all kinds of calisthenics. So then all of a sudden you see this whole bar star movement, you know, yeah, you know,
2: but I think, and that's the incredible thing about hip hop, man. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go two different directions. So one is great because that same drive and everything that they had, Mm -hmm. we inherited through, uh, you know, through, trying to get into a crew yeah. or mm-hmm. trying just not to get smoked. Yeah. Yep. To being community based, mm-hmm. to helping out somebody who had less. Like right. all this came from all these hip hop ideologies. Mm-hmm. And if you have the proper mindset, mm-hmm. you can literally take all these skills you learned and go anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely anywhere. Yep. The problem with a lot of people now is they didn't take the skill set. They just took hip hop itself. Yeah. They're like I'm going to hold on to it, and this is is all I have. So if it's not dance-related, then I can't do it. Or or if I'm not rapping, I can't do it. It's like, guy, like you can literally take any skill you've learned here, Mm -hmm. apply it somewhere else, and be successful because you have the grind that people don't have. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you know I'm a chef. This Mm -hmm. is the whole thing. Me being a chef, or me being a a hip-hop chef, so to speak, Mm -hmm. helped because I have this... Innate, like it's it's automatic confrontation yeah. in my brain, right? Yeah. So somebody is like, "Oh well, we won an award for the best whatever." I'm like, "No, you didn't. You didn't beat me. So mm-hmm. now I have to be better." Yep. Yep. And now, and now I have to take this, and I have to go one step further. Word. And there and style always has to be involved because yep. you know as that's part of it. And there's so many great tools. It's almost, it's literally almost like almost a biblical thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like where. There's parables and stories, and like if you read it verbatim, you're gonna miss something. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta make sure you actually dig to get the lessons out of it. Yep, yep. And take it and move on with it.
1: Right. And and you know I think that there's it goes back into like the uh, one of the reasons why Wu Tang, for instance, had so much appeal was because it wasn't enough that like. RZA just established, like, this, this crew of good MCs, right? It was the backdrop that he used was uh, something that everybody seemed to find relatable, which was uh, Chinese Kung Fu films, right? And it was, like, the sound effects, the excerpts, the samples, everything else was all, like, blended together. And what people didn't realize was how, um, how important a movie like The 36 Chambers of Shaolin is because what that film signified was something that, um, people from, um, uh, people from New York that were not Chinese were able to identify with. You mm-hmm. know, they were able to say, "Yo, this movie is about a guy who was um, o- almost like he's basically like a fugitive, right? Everything that he knew was taken and destroyed." And the only refuge that he had was the Shaolin Temple. And then at the Shaolin Temple, he goes through each individual chamber, you know, and there's like the, the leg chamber, the the arm chamber, the head chamber, the eye chamber. Everything is like one individual piece that he has to focus on and master before he can move on. And then by the time you get to the end of the film, the brilliance about that film was that it was less about him getting good and then like leaving the temple to go find Um, the bad guy who did him wrong it was like he was already like just like yo i'm i'm good i i don't need to go you know looking for you know moby dick who sunk my last ship right i'm just gonna just do my thing and eventually you know the fates bring this this person back into his circle and he realizes that, like, you know, the, uh, the chamber that he invents is, um, is a chamber that's um, above and beyond. It's, it's a, a chamber of creativity. It's to say, I want to teach um, what I, all the, the lessons and um, the gems that I've developed here by, by way of the Shaolin Temple. I want to impart that to common people because it's like we're all like turtles in our shells. We have to give this knowledge to the people. And we have to empower yep. them. We have to be able to uh, rise above our oppression, whether it's something that's e- economic, uh, socio, um, racial, um, uh, personal. You know, there's, there's personal oppression. Like sometimes we get in our own way worse than you know any bully that's like standing in in front of the doorway trying to stop us. It's very true. And and that so that movie had so much weight because a much like Rocky, it was like you were so into just. The fact that this guy just kept going through like each wave like a video game, the, the training montage. They didn't like speed it up and have it be like ten minutes. It was like no, you sat there for a good fifteen or, or not fifteen, but like a good five minutes watching this guy struggle with this one task, and he couldn't get it, and couldn't get it, and, and then finally he adapts, and then he overcomes, and then now he's on to the next chamber, and um, and I think that um, you know the the way that Riza did that was very methodical like he he wanted to be able to say this is this is what i feel especially um being an african-american man from new york who's like we don't have too many role models outside of um you know sports or through music and and a couple of other things where in which we could like actually say like hey this is like this is going to give me some sort of like uh sense of uh self-sufficiency and pride, and skill, and ability, and it's going to tell me that I can make my own lane. You know, if there's not a lane for me in this world, because everyone's you like, yep, make it. And he did. I mean, the whole crew did. I mean, it was, it was amazing how successful every single solo album was, too. There was never like, oh, yeah, you know, but, you know, ODB is nothing without uh, Bobby Digital behind him. It's just like, no, he makes a solo album, boom, it's fire. Ghost-faced, Fire, you know, Capadonna, fire. It was just like holy shit, you know. And that that also kind of shows, you know, the uh, the power of um, you know having something like a, cl- a click or a crew, but then also having that ability to to say, but I can stand on my own two feet as well if I need to, you know. And it's kind of cool that like you see something like Wu Tang should really represent the um. It, it's it's like a it's like a microcosm of what we do as individuals right we need a tribe and we need like people to belong to a sense of of self and a sense of like you know feeling you know like you're you're connected with people but you also need that ability to just say say, like yo it's my time in the cypher this is my war dance you know right get out the circle you know it's it's my time right now and um and i think that like hip-hop and um house and um you know other folk arts really show this you know they show the ability that you know yeah you you need to have a crew you need to know and understand you know the value and the ethics and uh of like teamwork and things like that but then at the same time you know if your crew's not there and you know and you gotta you gotta go ahead and you gotta battle five people you you face it with such a brave face you're like yeah i might get smoked but at the same time guess what you know i'm i'm a wolf and i'm dangerous so Come over Run here. It. Come Run get it. these hands. Yeah, you know. So and and it's just like and it goes back to like the thing that I always quote about um about House, about Junius. One of the most impactful things that he'd ever said to me, which he was saying to like the entire um uh group of people uh that he was teaching in the workshop was whether you are my full time student that I've known for, you know, years, or this is just a one and done, I'm never gonna see you again. You are my student, I do not raise cowards. And I was like bro i I got chills on that. I was just like that was such a that was such an impactful, strong thing to be able to say to somebody because then you just you say, You know what man everything that i do i'm gonna I'm gonna be like a a brave, angry tiger just crashing down the mountainside. you know whatever it is I want in life I'm gonna fucking get it nothing nothing is gonna get in my way except for me, and that even that's gotta take the back seat right you know so
2: House House is one of the greatest motivators yeah. on this planet and and easily one of the greatest leaders man oh, like I'm shit yeah super super blessed man like mm-hmm. I was actually talking to him before I got on okay but um yeah he's such such an amazing dude man mm-hmm. like um it's really dope to have a leader that believes in his crew mm-hmm. and that will put them before anything else yeah I people don't notice this and and I'm going to say it now because he won't say it. Mm. House has done so much, but he refuses to center himself. Yeah. He, he never does. You'll he, mm-hmm. never hear House talk about House. Mm. <laughs> Not mm. once. Right. He'll he'll bring you to a point. Mm-hmm. So like the thirty six chambers, he'll, he'll get you to the 35th yep. and then push you to the 36th. Right. Like, you got it.
1: Yep. It, it, it's like... like- it's like he'll turn around and say that that thirty-six chamber is, you know, I, I've shown you the door, you know, but it, now it's time for you to walk through and yeah, create whatever. create your own chambers now, and I think that's, like, really rare because most of the time what we get, we see it in government, we see it in pop stars, we see it in all these, like, people that are very, like, self-important is, follow me, I know the way, I know what's right, And everybody else over there is wrong. So if you stick with me, don't worry. I can bring you to whatever. Um, And then there's the other people who are just like, you know, laying back in the cut that are just mining the flock, you know. And you go, wait, yo, how come you're not at the front of the line? And you're like, I'm just keeping keeping an eye on things. And then you realize that this person is the five-star general, you know. They're the, the West Point grad. They're the one who has fought countless battles and has scars from head to toe. But they're never the one that just walks up and just says it, you know, right off the bat, like, hey, guess what? I'm General So-and-so, and you should respect me. It's the like the most
2: dangerous man in the room.
1: Yep. It, it, you know, the, and that, that's like, Junius kind of reminds me of, like, in a way, he uh, philosophically, it's like he reminds me of, like, people like uh, in, in the Chinese Kung Fu lore, there was a uh, uh, beggar So, uh, So Hachi. And uh, So Hachi was the uh, the, the mythical uh, mentor of Wang Fei-hung um you know, and he was the one who taught him drunken fist boxing. And Beggar So was the one who just kind of wandered from town to town, meandering around, and um, but was this master of, you know, a, like a whole bunch of essential skills. And it's like, you, you got to really question, you know, if a dude rides in out of the desert, you're like, okay, you, you were very fucking tough because... You, you didn't you didn 't like come in here on a train or on like a, a ten uh, a ten horse cart or anything else like that you 're not walking out you know nice and and prim and proper and everything no you were you just came out from the the desert and that means you have survival skills I need to yeah. know more and that's that 's always what what people seem to sleep on right you know and we see that in the dance community a lot you know people come in and just because you 're a good dancer doesn't make you a good person just because you won you know bc1 doesn't mean jack shit to me but at the same time then you know the, the ones who are like really about it you'll be talking with them and then all of a sudden you go you go i don't know why but you seem like really familiar and then like the person goes oh yeah well you know i spent some time over in europe or something and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god you were in battle of the year 97 and you did like one of the most epic sets i've ever seen in my life you know, and shit, and it's just like, yo, you're you're fucking, you're you're a badass, you're you're amazing. You know, and the person's just like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, I'm still just me. I, I had that yeah, whole time, just, uh, you know, and and that's right. and, that, and that's the that's the coolest shit. And I, I think that, that that's like all the um the stuff that I, I dig about like you and uh, um, and X um, about uh, uh Decimus too is like y'all never went and said okay because we learned from Junius, then now it's up. It's up to us to try to, like, you know, walk around and just, you know, uh, piss on everybody else and say, like, oh, yeah, y'all ain't real. Y'all ain't with this. Y'all don't know what the fuck you're talking about. da 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 It's like, no, um, your, your conversation, your ability to engage people is what really um, uh, impresses me because a lot of times people will just say, like, oh, you're whack. And you're like, oh, okay, why? And they go, just because. They can't back it up. And, and, right. you, and you'll turn around, and you can you can cut a motherfucking down, and you'll be like, yo, you're whack. And the person will be like, oh, yeah, what the fuck do you know? It's like, well, number one, um, you were dancing on the wrong uh, element of the polyrhythm there. You got lost in the middle of that. Your feet started to unravel. Oh, by the way, what fucking song were you listening to? Because I could hit pause, and you were just dancing on a completely bullshit-ass rhythm that did not exist. You know, <laughs> that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. So... So, yeah, man, that's props to y'all because um, I I think that this is, like, really what, like, Junius talks about, about, like, the tradition bearers, right? Like, eventually we're going to get to a point where maybe hip-hop is going to become extinct and there's only going to be a few of us left that still remember a time when it was, you know, in a certain way and an aesthetic. And it's just a memory, you know, we're going to be in our 80s and trying to, like, you know, have kids comprehend What this was and what it meant to us or like punk rock or any other movements that seem to exist, you know, much the same way that, you know, you talk to somebody who was a survivor of like Kent State and they'll tell you like what the anti-war and uh, uh, the civil rights movement and things were to them in that time. Because they said like they remember the time before that where everybody was like, stand up right, stay in line, uh, don't be a communist, don't uh, don't talk back, um, follow, submit and There was all these people that just started saying why and they said no I'm gonna I'm learn about this shit' I'm gonna I'm go do some acid and go to a coffee house and figure some shit out <laughs> you know I'm gonna go to Woodstock I'm gonna pee in a field and then finally you know they come back with this like level of uh, uh, what the uh, what the Greeks call uh, nosco you know the experiential knowledge which uh, is like the same root word as uh, gnosis right and they come back and they say oh okay so I I picked up a thing or two when i went down the rabbit hole so yeah man props to you guys because you y'all, y'all are definitely about it
2: much love man i appreciate it man like it's uh it's a complete honor to like to carry the legacy that that these guys have man mm-hmm. like completely unexpected by the way yeah like <laughs> like your son when he when he told me i was down like my my mind was blown yeah and mind you i had known how since 2005 mm-hmm. 2006 And it's just been a pleasure to learn from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to, you know, have the mantle given was like a really, really big deal, man. Like, it's a complete honor that I definitely don't take for granted.
1: Yeah. Well, what's also impressive is the fact that um, you didn't need to be put into Assassins to be you, right? Like, you, you didn't, you didn't, like, you were already doing the damn thing. And then it was like, oh, by the way. You know, th- this is uh, in recognition of, uh, of of services, you know, <laughs> that have been done, you know, for the community, but also, um, you know, uh, through ways of like, um, um, you know, mastery of of movement and things, and you know, not just like giving somebody, you know, the honorary title and saying like, hey, guess what, you know, you're you're part of this just because you drove us to practice, or you own a warehouse and you let us come out here and dance or whatever it's just like no you bring something to the table and um, uh-huh. and you know and it's just like and, and the same thing with like uh, we cite uh, we cite Littlefoot a lot on here right so shout out to Littlefoot but you can tell that that's like really like the epitome of how you're supposed to use the hustle rather than letting the hustle use you is that you go into your daily life and you say how can I make what I've learned through hip hop or through house um apply and stick to what I'm trying to do with this business or going through grad school or being a um, a professional dancer or being a um, somebody who does TED Talks I mean you can you can apply this to a myriad of different things and right. um so um why don't you go ahead and give us a little uh, uh breakdown of what it is that you specifically do as a career you did teeter on it a little bit about the uh, the restaurant so please give us some more details
2: i am a uh i'm a chef at a uh, at a vegan caribbean restaurant mm-hmm. called uh, desmond's island soul grill here in uh, virginia beach mm-hmm. nice um the owner and I went to culinary school together. Okay, uh, she was from New York. I was from New York, so mm-hmm. we just we kicked it like you okay. know, we were homies. Mm-hmm. And uh, she opened, and we've been we been rolling. Like uh, I think August is our fourth year open. Okay, fifth year. Yeah, fifth year open. It's uh, coming second up. Second year vegan. Yeah,
1: it's coming up. Coming up. And, and y'all did something that was incredible too, which I, I have to shout out and uh, and make apparent to the people that are listening is that. Um, y'all were able to survive the pandemic and yeah i mean it, it's like that it, it's like i know so many bars and places that have been open for decades that just like as soon as like the first like three months came into into um, the uh the initial phase of the lockdown it was just everyone was just boarding up and closing up shop. It was just, everything was just gone. You'd find out, like, oh, damn, you know, we lost another uh, uh, another club or we lost another restaurant or we lost this or we lost that. So to see that, that you were able to brave that storm, A, is really impressive. Um, B, it also tells me that um, you must be in the community eye enough to the point where people were like, hey, we need to continue to support. And plus, you know, Y'all, I'm, I imagine we're able to find a way to adapt. Where you say, "Yeah, we can't do in dining uh, seating," but we're going to go ahead and we're just going to make sure that everything that y'all get um, that's going to be curbside is going to be five star quality. Were, were you guys Absolutely.
0: able to Were you guys able to take advantage of like the PPPs and stuff like that? SBAs.
2: Um. No, we actually didn't. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, oh. I think uh, I forgot why they didn't give her one, mm-hmm. but oh. um. It, you know, it was nothing short of a blessing, dude. Like, yeah. um, twenty twenty was actually our our highest profit year yeah. to date.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. which was. It, it seems like for nuts. a lot, yeah, you know, for a lot of community like restaurants, like a lot of grassroots restaurants, it seems like that's what it's really been mm-hmm. for the ones that did survive. Yeah, like you know, they would say twenty twenty was the most profitable, mm-hmm. and um, it shows. Yeah, like Turnstile said, you know, when it it really reflects on how you treat the community. Yep. You know, when stuff when shit hits the fan, the community comes through for you. Oh yeah. So that's that's good to hear. You know.
2: Yeah, man. They um the community showed us a lot of love, bro. That's what's like hot. a lot of love. Um, I'm not gonna front, man. Like not having dining in was incredible. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Yeah. Son, like <laughs> like no real human contact. Oh right. man, that was a great year. It was yeah. outstanding. All right. And um, it helped us just we were just rolling all mm-hmm. day. Yep. Like there was no no turnover time. No right, we sitting and chilling. And it's like, yo, here's your here's your food. Right, hit it. Just doing tickets. Um, yeah, and now uh, we actually started construction on our new dining room. Uh, okay, e- earlier this week. Oh, so, word. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're uh, we're we're expanding a little bit. So yeah, this is really really dope.
1: And and you mentioned uh, you said that you you two were from uh, New York. What uh, what part of New York were you from originally?
2: I'm from Long Island, so Long I don't Island, get, okay.
1: I don't get I don't get credit. Strong Island, credit. oh come on, Strong man. Island, yo. Yeah, it is. But see, look,
2: like if if you know, you know. Yeah, Like, you yeah. Know what I mean? like
1: yeah, it's just like De La Soul and JVC Force, De
2: La, rock rock Marciano.
1: Yep. Um, some of the executioners I think came from Strong Island. I think. Yep. Um, uh, EPMD. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep.
2: Uh, everybody came through Long Island at one point. Mm-hmm. X fan, I mean X fan, yeah. step fiends so I'll yep. give them props too. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep.
1: I mean, well, yeah, man. It was it, when made you uh, do the the jump down to uh, Virginia Beach?
2: Um, the city we were in it was just like bad news. Okay, like all around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a spot called Wine Dance New York. Okay, um, it's actually where Rakim is from.
3: Yeah, hmm.
2: he actually lived like two blocks from my aunt. Oh, word, actually, like a really, yeah. I got a story about Rakim getting thrown out of a bar by my mom. But we'll talk about that later. A <laughs> <Okay. Wow, nice. laughs> um, little bit of juice, but uh, yeah, man, you know, she, you know, she's a beast. Mm-hmm. She raised three six foot, two hundred pound plus boys mm. <laughs> with iron might. But uh, so uh, it was just me, and my uh, my little brother, all caps, who's uh, who's a b boy, okay, and uh, and my mom mm-hmm. for years and so the the neighborhood we lived in the neighborhood always looked out Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so we could walk to the store at nine o'clock at night right and they'd be like yo what what are you you doing oh we came to get whatever they make sure we got it make sure we got home Mm -hmm. no big deal that's Mm -hmm. dope because we were because you know we were kids right they open arcades for front for fronts for like for drugs and stuff Mm -hmm. we're like oh man arcades (laughs) nah not this arcade right and they (laughs) right but uh we got to a point where um we got to that impressionable age. Mm -hmm. Like I think uh, I had just turned 13. Mm -hmm. Uh, My brother just turned 11. Yeah. And uh, my mom was like, okay, I think now is the point where like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's time to get out before. Right. You know, they try to pull you into the world that they're in. Right. And so uh, my aunt and my grandmother, my grandmother moved down here for medical treatment. Okay. And so we were driving down here like every weekend for Mm -hmm. like a year. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom came into some money, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I'm out." Yeah, like, let's let's bounce. Word, and so we ended up here, and uh, I've been here 20 years now. Okay, so yeah, wow. so Virginia, Virginia's home.
1: Yeah, all right. Yeah. Wow. And it's such a um, I think we mentioned this before that it's such a um, uh, such a pivotal spot too. I mean, you know, the Neptunes are from the same area. You know, there's yep. just and you know Teddy Riley and everybody like all this great talent that just comes from an area that you figure is like kind of off grid because you're like going like okay this isn't this isn't DC, this isn't Philly, this isn't New York. So what what would Virginia Beach have to offer? And then all of a sudden it's just like oh whoops yeah here we go we're just gonna have like all this like great art and great talent. And then typically like the thing on the back burner is like oh by the way we're we're also from Virginia Beach you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think it's the, like the dope. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I said like, the, the dope thing about
2: us being from here
1: mm-hmm.
2: is it kind of rubbed off on the dancers too. Yeah. So if you see somebody from Virginia,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you'll know they're from Virginia, but you won't know why. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they're not trying to be New York B-boys. They're mm-hmm. not trying to be Florida B-boys. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to be you know, uh, Canadian B-boys. Right. Like there's a style that we end up having. Mm-hmm because of the lack of style yeah. for, for lack of better words yeah, you know and uh, and that's the same way with the music the music yep. like you know they were trying so hard not to be anybody else that it became this this thing right and like it's it's like you know they had to hold something in the water festival and there is really something special about being from here mm-hmm. and a pride that we all kind of oh, carry yeah. with us to, to be different and actually yeah. like move move differently than, right. than a lot of other people
1: and, and that's important because um there's a there's a great quote uh from the uh um i I can't remember if it was in the book itself but i know it was definitely in the movie but the count of uh, monte cristo and when uh edmund dantes was like first like learning how to read um and he's with the uh with his mentor the priest he's like writing on the wall and he's like so neglect becomes our ally and it's just like it's like the biggest advantage that you can have, actually, is being removed from, like, quote-unquote, the scene or, like, the hub. Yeah. Because now it's like, A, you you see what they're doing over there, but no one is here to be able to, like, whistleblow and say, oh, you're not supposed to do it that way. It's like you just come up with whatever you can to just to achieve the objective. And then you finally go to New York or you go to Florida or you go to, um, uh, Philly and then you start getting, getting down and people are like, what the fuck are y'all doing? You know? And they're like, what's up with this thing, (laughs) you know? And, and you, and you're just going like, well, we're only doing it this way because nobody told us not to. And they go, Hmm. Okay. And next thing you know, you're going to start seeing like y'all style starts showing up in other people's vocabulary and you start seeing people, like, doing uh, certain footwork texts or threading or, you know, uh, certain concepts and stuff and being like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, this is – and everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that, that's that, that's that Brooklyn, that's that Kanasi style and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, yo, where would you learn that shit? And it's just like from motherfuckers well, from Virginia Beach. I bet it from them. Right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know?
2: That happened one time, yo, at a zoo anniversary. I, yeah. I'll never forget this. It was yeah. the funniest thing ever. It was our first one. Okay. We went, like, five deep. Mm-hmm. But but we went to get down. We're yeah. like, all right, cool. We're here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why we're here. Yeah. We're like, we're here to show them that, you know, that we're representing properly. Right. And so we got, we just got down. We mm-hmm. just had a really good time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I think it was D Filthy. Mm-hmm. D Filthy got on stage and he's like, yo, we're in New York, right? <laughs> oh. Crowd goes nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yo, we put on, we, we made hip hop, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like. Then why these country boys in Virginia got y'all looking back?
4: <laughs>
2: yo. I was like, "Yo, son, we still got to get home. Relax. Yeah. What are you doing?" But it was great, and from from that moment forward, yo, we we, we had a we had a respect from some of the cast up there. Mm-hmm. Like that was our first time meeting Hannibal, which yeah. is really dope. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and and after that moment, people were kind of like, oh, "Okay, mm-hmm. you know, Virginia's doing a thing." Yeah, like, that's that's what's up.
1: Yep. Yeah, we, we had a similar uh, situation when we went out there um, the uh, first time for Zulu, where it was uh, Ozzy and I went with uh, Stepchild and Annie up and a few other people, and we had motherfuckers that were out there trying to pull rank, and especially like they were um, were the cats from New Mexico. What uh, what was the what was the region that uh, those dudes were that were giving you shade? I can't remember. But it was like so we're like in line and some. Dumbass was all like you know yo what's the what's the 15th rule in the green book or some arbitrary bullshit and ozzy was just kind of just sitting there like uh don't know why don't you enlighten me you know and he's just like you know what man if i was your chapter leader taps his medallion he's like i would take these beads and and i'm kind of like looking and i'm going like
0: no, I was like, look, man, I'm too busy doing stuff for the community to really read a bunch yep. of the shit in the Green Book. Right. right.
1: And especially when and, it's fine.
0: And, like, the, fact, the funny thing is, like, nobody like, nobody really realized what was going on. Like, I had to tell, like, Turnstile and Stepchild, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I just got checked, right? Yeah. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah. Like, by this fucking asshole right mm-hmm. here. And stuff. Because I didn't know, like, a, one thing in the Green Book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck, is this a cult or what? Dude? yeah <laughs> and and that's the that's the little bit. yeah, that's the that's the bullshit right there. It's like it's like I felt like I was in a network marketing company, right. right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
1: yo, do you, let me ask you one question. Do you like making money? You're like, yes. It's like, okay, so I'm gonna give you this opportunity. If you can get ten people. You know, and give them the opportunity and make them be their own boss. Then all of y'all will make money. You know, that's that was kind of like the vibe. And especially like because I was a sergeant in arms for our chapter. Um, I had like several people come up and want to talk hands with me. And as soon as they connected with me, they realized they were like, oh, yeah, we don't even know what the fuck we're doing. And I was kind of laughing because I'm like, you know, because it was like, uh, for instance, uh, with like Chi Sao, um, which is um, uh, Wing Chun is, is called like Chi uh, or Sticky Hands. It's like the way that you spar is a, a way where you stay connected wrist to wrist and you kind of make like this almost like a circular motion. And then yeah, yeah. once you kind of get the game going, then it's like you're trying to play tag, right? You're trying to like get past the person's defense and like, you know, touch them on the chest, and basically it's like a hit, you know, or go ahead and put your palm up by their face, and if they couldn't stop it or deflect, then they got hit, and I'm sitting here, and I'm I'm doing this with um, a guy who was a uh, Savage Skull, I believe, so, you know, Cut Sleeve, it was out at the Zulu anniversary, and he was doing this truck driver, cheese Sal, where he's like, just, his arms are real violently, like, going back and forth, in like, this real wide circle and everything, I'm like, all right, whatever, and I just kept going straight forward, and I was like, doing takedowns and wrist locks and you know like jams and all kinds of stuff and he was getting more and more pissed because this guy was probably like 45 years old and he was getting put on his ass by somebody who was you know 31 or 32 at the time i was younger and he was just like get up and go like again again and i kept putting him on his ass and then finally i'm kind of like I, I gotta go to the source here and i walk up to dr shock um and i was just like what is the protocol that you guys have for being a sergeant at arms, because I like what's your standard, and then he started going on to this big like rah rah bullshit answer that was just it was just nonsense. He was like, "Yo, it's just you know you got it you know and uh, I don't know you know, just do this thing and you know and all this and we read the book and you know and I, and I was like, this is all just this is nonsense, dude. It's like you guys are not organized, and I've like done years of security, years of martial arts. And I'm going, like, maybe maybe it's like you get, like, five or six people that are just big, imposing dudes. And you say, yeah, you guys are Shaka Zulus, you know, and you guys are just going to come out and just control the door. And, you know, if some shit goes on uh, goes down, you guys are going to come in, and you're, you're going to bust heads. And I'm like, but there has to be, like, organization and protocol. And that was really where I started to become incredibly skeptical of what I was dealing with out there. You know, seeing people rank out other people, I I I think of it like the military, right? It's it's sort of like you know if you if I chop it up with you and you're from a different chapter and I got a problem with you, I'm not going to talk to you. I might talk to your leadership. I might say you know, um, yo, can I talk to your um um your your captain here? You know, who's who's the chapter leader? It's like oh, they're right over there, and then go and have have words with them and say, hey, listen, you know, I didn't want to put this on on Front Street in front of everybody else to hear, but you know, you might want to talk to your your cat here and just kind of you know let them know to cool their brakes or whatever you know pump their brakes but everybody was just like out there just trying to just show their dick and i'm just like
2: and it was yo, know, bad bad choice of words no no, <laughs> no. i mean
1: oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. too late now hey. keep going you know keep it going <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like everybody just kept trying to pull rank and i'm going like i'm like yo man you know, some of y- some of y'all ain't even like real, like nice with even with your hip hop, like that. You know, you're. I, I see you get up and try to rock the mic, and it's just a whack show where you can't DJ or you can't dance for shit, and yet you're supposed to be, you know, this who's who and stuff. And then you know, and I just I just got to a point where I was just like, man, I think that ultimately, you know, it, it really is up to the individual, not up to a, a group. And then those like great crews are you know they're comprised of great individuals like each one of these people is strong on their own but even better together and that's you know that's where like the real uh, the real power happens and i know that sometimes people wanted that to happen and people were even trying to like push the narrative with Bambata to say like oh yeah you know the warriors was actually based on his exploits because he was he was cyrus <laughs> and i'm like get the fuck out of my face with all that bullshit
2: Hey, yo son, I don't know what he was feeding these cats. You KRS included. Mm-hmm. Like yo, they fed, yo, they fed us some wild stuff, yo, uh-huh. yo, They made him the the most literate, and the most prolific, the most everything. And mm-hmm. It's like, yo, like this is this is the story of hip hop. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, cool. Like you're you're from here, so we believe this now. Mm-hmm. Like and then we go telling people, and now we have to recant the whole thing because all you guys are douchebags.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, it all got yep. fucked. I mean, in a sense, not in a sense, but literally, we were calling him the Amun Ra. Mm-hmm. So it's like, right. fuck,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and you know, and I, I'm not calling him nothing. <laughs> and
1: and yeah, it's just this this like this all-seeing eye, you know, kind of you know shit it's, again it goes it goes back into like what you were saying about you know people who really do deserve to be the five-star general but they're like yo i'm too busy putting in work to fucking care about the the metal i i don't want the accolades because i'm about the process you know i'm not about you know
0: it's like a good restaurant owner Mm -hmm. right and well you should you'll know you're obviously very familiar with this a good restaurant owner is the one that jumps in yeah they jump not, on not the line. Not the one that just chills, chills, there and fucking just oversees everything mm-hmm. and just chills there like with a thumb up their ass. Right? No, they're they're jumping yeah. in. They're jumping in and in, in the in the line to cook or they're serving or mm-hmm. etc. You know, that's a good restaurant owner. And, oh yeah, and that also comes with great leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in different areas that we all involve ourselves
2: in. Yeah, you know. To to quote my brother Decimus, yo, uh, we had a. Um we had a dance company together back in like 2015. Yeah. And we were doing like trainings every weekend and taking mm-hmm. the kids to jams and doing the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a jam coming up and he was like, yo, like, you know, you're going to, you going you gonna to enter. I'm like, nah, man, you know, let, 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 let the kids shine, you know, like, you know, I was like, I'm cool. Like, you know, I'm really not. And then, uh, <laughs> the, the dopest thing he said, yo, he was like, yo man, sometimes the general has to get off the horse.
1: Yeah. Yep. yeah, Yup.
2: And I was like, yo, you're right. Yep. And he he was he was like, yo, he was like, the kids, he said, you teach them, so they know they know you're you. Yeah. He said, but they don't know you're you. Right, right. Right. He hey. was like, so sometimes you gotta get off and they gotta they gotta see they gotta see you in action and know right. what's, what's what's really good.
1: Yep. I mean
2: And that and that stuck with me.
1: Yeah, and especially when you get like um uh you get into like things like the jujitsu community where everything is based on what you can do as opposed to you know what you did back in 1983 right you know like you got somebody like hickson gracie you know is a, is a prime example you know his back is fucked um you know his uh his joints you know are bad you know he's gone through you know all this stuff from these wars you know and yet he'll still get on the mat and he'll still roll with you he's and and there's never like oh you know what guess what uh sensei's Um, skills are too pure and too perfect for anybody to see so you know um, he's just gonna sit in the back of the dojo and just be the the figurehead right i mean even um his father um elio gracie rolled all the way up until he was damn near dead i mean like all the way up to the end of his life and that tells you something about um what we can continue to do as people you know we because it takes humility, and it takes courage to be able to say, like, you know, yeah, I might be getting on in years. I might be getting long in the tooth, but I still have to be an example to my students because um, it's not enough to just hide behind your your accolades and your accomplishments. You still have to, you know, get off the horse. Yeah, you still
0: have to eat shit, get punched in the face every now yep, and then. Yep. You know, it's basically yeah, right. like leading by example, right? right. Like, well, my no, students... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, go- I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Please. Go, 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 go.
2: I was like, no, nah, because you'll 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 get phased out.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. You
2: yep. know what I mean. Like, if you don't if you don't update the software, baby, it's yep. It's, it's the
1: damn you're truth. You're on your way out. Like, and yeah. and sometimes too, what what's actually going to be more impactful for your students is that they're going to see that even if you failed, you still followed through. Right. You know, there's some yeah, people absolutely. that are so afraid of falling and looking embarrassed and looking like they lose face in front of their students, but then like your students are actually going like yo you you just went like like in a in a um like a heads up battle like a seven to smoke yeah against like five really really tough dancers and you held your own you won like four rounds it's because you're you know you know it's because you're leading
0: by example you're showing your students how to fail Mm -hmm. you're 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 basically showing them that you are also human Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that you know i teach a house dance class for for all day and one thing I always tell my students when we're about to do drills, like I tell, I make it clear, like, look, I'm gonna do this with you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna suffer with you guys, yep. and stuff, you know, because it never ends. Yeah. And I tell, and I also make it clear, like, look, if you guys decide to take this dance further to the point where you start teaching, um, don't ever think that you're above anyone. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there's right. may, there may be some sort of experience there, but at the end of the day, you guys are. Both gonna be eating, you guys gonna both gonna be taking a shit, taking a piss, and just doing the, the general things, the normal mm. things that human beings do. Right. Right? So at the end of the day, that goes along with battling right. with ciphering. You know, like you still gotta do it no matter yeah. what. And you still gotta you still gotta get punched in the face every now and then. <laughs> so
1: I mean right, right. well, one of the most impactful uh things um, that I remember, I was told by um, one of my old uh, hockey coaches from way back, was it's okay to fail, it's not okay to quit, right. and that changed a lot of what I ended up doing for like the the rest of my life because, um, though I never continued to play hockey, um, what the the drills and the skills taught me. In his particular uh, method of teaching, I carried over into my martial art life, and then I doubly carried over into my dance life. Whereas, like other people, I would notice in like dance would have you know a lot of talent but not very much discipline. So yeah. I just said, okay, um, I'm just going to take the first step. The first step is that every Sunday I'm going to be at this practice session for years, or you know uh, this uh, this particular session. Um, I'm going to go out and, um, because the floor is like real nice and buttery, I'm going to be working on nothing but ground power. Even if I can't do ground power, I'm going to fucking learn and I'm going to just develop ground power. And then at this other place, they got really good music, but it's not the kind of place where you can like drill and skill. So I'm just going to dance here. Or I'm going to go clubbing all the time, and you know support my um, my favorite um, DJs and stuff to show not only love for the scene, but also it's important to be a part of the scene. Like we have to right. participate. That's part of like you know the the um, hop in, in hip hop, right? You know, like acting. Don't don't simply just be like because this is something that drives me nuts when I talk to. Um, uh, now some people might take offense to it but if you take offense to it it's more than likely because you're actually a culprit or a perpetrator so if that's the case if you get offended I'm sorry that you're rectally wounded mm-hmm. but I never right. could stomach 80's b-boy um, fronting when a motherfucker only did it for two years because it was a fad it was the it was the Dougie of the time right? and right. they focus on rap but yet they say I'm an original b boy, and I go, oh word, okay. So how long you been getting down for? And they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of footwork uh, did you have? Did you have like more of? Uh, were you more of like a like a top rock kind of head? Did you have you know ground power? What, what was what was your shtick? You know, like what was your stees? And the person's like, you know, man, I used to be a b boy back in the day, and they start doing like a wave, like an arm wave, and I'm like, every time, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like every time, I'm like, bitch, that's popping i'm like the the fact that i
2: used to goddamn
1: yeah and I'm, and I'm like i mean you know that that's like that's like saying that because you know you did paint by numbers you're a graffiti writer you're right this is like kiss Ooh. my ass don't sit there and say all city and then all you got is a tag it's just like yo do you piece? do you throw burners have you done married couples do you do uh, top to bottoms have you bombed both sides of a car? You know what? Have you done murals? Have you done all that shit? And the person's like, you know, I just got a little tag from back in the day. I'm I'm a graffiti writer. And I'm like, no, that you're you're a tagger. You know, if that's the case, then, then yeah, you're a tagger. And yeah, man, so like I, I have like very, very, very short, like limited bandwidth for um motherfuckers that um it, it reminds me of like the people that, that used to watch martial art movies and then practice, you know, beating up their little brother in their garage. And they turn around and say, like, oh, yeah, I I practice, you know, um, Jeet Kune Do. And I'm like, okay, because you emulated Bruce Lee and you made, like, the, the howling sounds does not make you a JKD practitioner do you understand right. ranges do you understand trapping um do you understand the origins of Jin fan kung fu that ev- evolved into Jikundo? um who was your teacher who did you train under you know how many years had you had you done um all that kind of stuff and the person's like you know i practice the way of no way and i'm like that you know that's a, that's a real like you could just say well i'm i'm a self i'm a self-taught hobbyist and i'll respect that because you say yo yeah like i used to i used to break dance back in like 83 84 i was a self-taught hobbyist i watched beat street i watched wild style i thought that shit was hot i did it and then all of a sudden when everyone started doing the running man i fucking stopped like everybody else you know and and then and i got the hammer pants and i got the hammer pants you know and then all of a sudden you know then there's like those those real self-actualized brothers that are like yo i am so impressed that the dance evolved because like I only knew backspins, headspins, windmills, and all that kind of shit. And all of a sudden, to see that you guys survived through the '90s, like the the end of the '80s, all through the '90s, and then it just became this this thing. And now it's like I'm turning on, you know, TV, and I'm finding out that this shit's going to be in the Olympics or whatever. It's like I never thought that. If you tell me that was going to be, you know, the only people that I would have thought would have taken it to the Olympics, maybe would have been like New York City Breakers. Because of like that level of athleticism and the the unitard um, spandex that they wore like superheroes and shit, God, no. you know. But like, Jeez. but yeah, man, it's just like it. it I, I like those self actualized people who say, you know, yeah, I, I fucked with it back when I was a kid, but you know, I realized that you know I, I just didn't have the bones for it, and and plus there weren't too many people doing it, so I couldn't get like I couldn't get involved and really continue to practice and develop. And then you meet those other heads who are like, yo. I did it because nobody else uh, thought it was cool anymore, so I figured I'm just going to go and practice in my bedroom or my basement or whatever, and I'm going to come out and I'm going to drop this shit on people at the high school dance. And then I ended up meeting a rival b-boy from another school, and they were like, yo, I'm going to battle you, and you battle. Next thing you know, now you you guys are homies. And then you go, yo, I heard about this jam. Jam? Jam? the fuck's a jam and it's just like okay and then you know so now you've become like part of the the tribe you know the underground tribe so yeah it's 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 just it's funny though that like we go back to like what you were saying uh before about that um uh i forgot that term that you used but like you know trying to you know trying to brag that you were uh you were there first or that you'd seen it first or you did it first or whatever and then i'm like okay well it's cool that you did it first but did you keep it going I respect the, the people that kept it going.
0: Yeah, you may yeah. have done it first, but somebody did it better.
1: Yep. So, so again, you know, just, don't just stay on that damn horse, you know, professing that you're a general. It's less like, you know, you got to do that Robert Redford shit, man. Go out and start picking up that wall, you know, uh, piece by piece, you know, and start moving it over. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, move that shit back now. All right, fine, fuck it. You know, and that's, and that really shows the difference between, you know, um, the uh like a soldier and a warrior because a soldier will just do when they're commanded but if nobody tells them then they're not going to move they're just going to stand there they're going to be like all right we just wait on the base until we're given orders a warrior is like yo i need to go practice i need to go hunt i need to go fight i need to go develop i need to do things in um uh, to pass the the time so i'm going to do poetry art you know read literature i'm going to go farm." whatever it is got to do, and then when I get called to battle, I'm ready because I'm constantly moving. And that's something that I think is like important just as a human attribute, right? It's just that the world is never going to meet you halfway. So if you're just going constantly getting after it, getting after it, getting after it, you are more um, privy to opportunities than that person that's just sitting on their stoop, you know, taking, you know, a 40 to the head you know sharing that blunt with people and then wondering why life is passing you by and wondering why like nothing is coming to the block and like uplifting you and you and bringing you out it's like cuz you ain't doing it you you just you're waiting for everything to fucking happen for you kid right the so, road doesn't come up to meet any man. yep and and again you know time does not give a shit you know it, it's just like something that i think a lot of people struggle and try to come to terms with is just the fact that they keep like putting everything off until tomorrow and I'm like, that shit ain't promised. So move like right. you got a purpose. You know, get your ass up right. and move. So, so yeah, that that was my soapbox rant. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so on to uh, bigger things. Plantanos. Alright. <laughs> you guys cook uh, you mentioned vegan Caribbean food, so I imagine that you guys have some amazing plantanos, which I'm hoping that you will FedEx to Ozzy and I. As, man, uh, you
2: can make those yourself, man. I know, but <laughs> it's
1: better when somebody else makes them for you.
2: Nah, man, not at all. Maybe. You has got to find the proper brown to yellow ratio.
1: Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. What, what, uh, <laughs> which, I'll just fly my ass over there and, and have some. <laughs> How about that? Do you use, um, uh, typically like in your uh, Caribbean cooking, do you guys use uh, tostones or do you do um, the uh, the other pantanos?
2: We do the other ones. We do the we oh. do the sweet the sweet plant.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah th- those ones are so bomb, especially like if you uh, uh, get them get them just thick enough to where when they cook, they kind of get like that little uh, like brown uh, uh, the crisp baby crispy ness over them, but not like
2: it's like you have to be able to squeeze it and be like. Oh man, that's almost gross, but not really. Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. Yep. yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you um, do y'all do um, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, do you do um, the the other ones, um, uh, Maduro out there? Yeah. Okay. Those. Oh yeah, dope. Yeah, dope. Yeah. How, how about like uh, yuca fries? Mm.
2: Yucca fries is uh, that kind of gets down more to like a uh, like a Latin Caribbean. Okay. Like um, it's like we are so, thing. so we uh we're Guyanese, okay. Guyanese based, mm-hmm. but like okay. West Indian influence. So yeah. it's like a lot of jerks, mm-hmm. nice. jerks, curry stews, yeah. stuff like that. But uh, we just took all of our old meat recipes and and swapped them. Okay, and it worked out, That's worked awesome. out really well. So
1: are you strictly like a hundred percent vegan, or is it just like uh, you got more vegan options on the menu?
2: Oh no, we're we're top to bottom vegan.
1: Oh word, okay, wow, nice. Yeah. Um. And I imagine then, uh, that is, uh, like when you're saying vegan, like a hundred percent vegan, not even like, uh, like ovo lacto vegetarian or anything where you still do like, you know, eggs and, uh, nope. eggs and fish and butter and whatnot. Not even, not even honey. Okay. Wow. Dang. Dang. Y'all, y'all just like, just like we're figuring it out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, you know, when when we decided
2: to to go vegan, we we did have that conversation. Like, okay, okay cool, we can use honey, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like, nah, we have to make sure we go to the most extreme outside, mm-hmm. so that way it encompasses everybody else in between. Okay. Mm. So, like, if you are one of the the animal activists, it's like, mm-hmm. well, well, bees suffer for honey, and we're like, okay, well, I got it, no, no honey. Yeah. Right, like, right. You know. yeah. Um, we found out that some sugar isn't vegan, mm-hmm. like. Because of they use animal charcoal to make it white. Okay. Who knew?
0: Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah,
3: yeah man. man.
2: And it's it's been a it's been a it, it's been a process to learn, but it's been like a lot of fun.
3: Okay. You
2: know, it, it allows a lot more creativity. Mm-hmm. A lot sure. a more, you know. Yeah, a lot a lot more creative freedom because mm-hmm. you're not really stuck to like like four pro teams. You know yeah. what I mean, like right. So you gotta you gotta get creative and you gotta get busy and it's been it's been great.
0: What would you say your your favorite dish is to make? To make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite dish and what's the most popular dish that comes out of the restaurant?
2: Jeez. Okay. Uh my favorite to make is. I actually don't know. Oh. Okay, yeah. I'll be honest, yo. My favorite dish to make
3: mm-hmm.
2: period mm-hmm. is pancakes.
3: Okay. Pancakes. Really? Yeah.
2: Always and forever. Mm-hmm. Gosh pancakes. damn it. Yo, it's a it's a it's a skill set. You have to Word. know how to you know what I mean proper wetness yeah yeah crispy edges you gotta know the whole deal uh huh because pancakes are pancakes you know what I mean but (laughs) the top seller at the restaurant is uh, our Rasta Pasta oh which is a a recipe from uh uh, Footprints in Brooklyn okay the first ever Rasta Pasta Mm hmm okay um we made it vegan uh it's literally nothing like the original yeah but um we had it on our menu before we went full vegan Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But people were buying it more than everything else. And that's when we were like, okay, well, maybe, maybe, you know, this could be something. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, we sell hundreds of those. Hello.
1: (laughs) For those of you listening, because we're not doing a a video of of this, uh, there's a a wonderful dog that just decided to walk right into the frame (laughs) in uh, Will's background here. And he's doing a circle and is about to lay down thought making there
0: you go <laughs> making the make defining the that's comfortability
1: making the that's bed a,
2: that's that's bane
1: bane bane
2: bane that, yeah. that's so uh, funny
1: that was it's... that was my writing name my graph name <laughs> was it really yeah
2: like b-a-n-e
1: b-a-n-e yep
2: yeah that's incredible
1: yeah and that was that was before tom hardy uh batman bane because uh, people were like yo what bane what what why bane and i'm like because writing was my bane that was like the that was that was my thing. I was just like, "Yo, man, I, I I gotta get up." So, and then of course, when the Dark Knight came out, then everybody else was like, "Hey, Bane!" Just like that. And then they're like, "Is it just like like did you get it from the Batman comics?" I'm like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> so you got that, and then you got the consignment store. Yeah, yeah, and of course, turnstile consignments. We got this uh, this <laughs> store that's spelled the same way as I spell. My full <laughs> dance name and shit, so people were like, "Oh, turnstile like the store and I'm like, yeah, just like the store i'm i'm a, I'm, I'm the pure one imports of dance, okay, you know you can get yourself a a nice vintage table at my expense, but uh um side question, I was just thinking about this um so at your establishment um what is um what what are you all greens like? Like like what so the greens? Of, yeah, like what what kind of what kind of um, uh, greens do you typically use?
2: Oh man, so for our actual like like collard greens because we're we're down south. Yeah,
1: you know I mean? so every place but, uh, you go to a gas station is gonna have collard greens. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. But um, it's a mixture of
2: uh collard greens, kale, uh mustard, and turnip greens.
1: Mmm. So yep. that's good. Gotta love them yeah. uh, them tri greens. Oh yeah, can't go wrong, man. Yeah, do do y'all do? um, Since it's uh, your establishment, do you have? um, Do you do more like of a of a jerk seasoning, or is it like uh, smoked?
2: Um, so we do smoke for the college. Okay. And we we jerk a whole bunch of stuff. Pause. Okay, but like. (laughs) 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 But yeah, man. Uh, So we actually uh, we do we do jerk mushrooms, and we actually we treat them. Just like we cheated our chicken, so okay. we marinate them overnight, mm-hmm. smoke them for like two hours. Okay, like uh, yeah, and they're I hate mushrooms, but they're really good.
1: What, what kind of mushrooms do you uh, typically use? Do you just use like bellas or porcini's or shiitake or something? Portobello's. Okay, portobello's. Okay, mm, nice. Those are nice. Big, nice, big, big, meaty joints. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that. Uh, for those of you who are apprehensive about uh, vegan dishes, um, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, you can. Do with or without tofu, but if a vegan restaurant's got good mushroom dishes, like utilize those, try those because that mm-hmm. that's like the best way to transition from like being used to eating a lot of meat to wanting something that's going to have that kind of that that kind of texture, and, it, and, and also if, like the flavor. If
2: you can like like let's say you had like a really bomb carne asada marinade, yeah, and you just threw your mushrooms in it. Uh huh. As long as like you press them and sear them. Mm-hmm. And get like a little bit of char on it, mm-hmm. like it's. I mean, you can't tell the difference. Is like a really dumb statement, but oh, yeah. But it's it's really close. Like it's almost like a really fatty piece of meat. Yeah, yeah. That, wow. That's. I,
1: I try to. I, I tried to explain it to somebody who was. Uh, they were. They were questioning. Um, I was doing a stir fry dish, where I was using. Um, I was using porcini and, um, uh, maitake and shiitake mushrooms, and nice. they were. They they were going like, they were they were going like okay I'm I'm not a mushroom person really and I'm like why are you allergic and they were like no I just never like mushrooms and I said all right we'll just give it a shot and I said um, have you ever had like really fatty uh, like really fatty pork dishes and they said oh yeah yeah I'm, I like pork and I'm like okay th- just imagine that that's basically what this is like you got like there's like more fat than there was meat and yep. you're actually gonna probably dig this. And sure enough, man, he he went ahead and he tried it. And then after it was like a month later, he's like, "Yo, man, you ever gonna make those? Uh, you ever gonna make those greens again?" And I was just like, uh, "Yeah, I can I can go ahead and hook you up." So like, yeah, I'm... I'm for a fee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and and shit. I'm so so glad that I got my pressure cooker because that just speeds up the process. It used to be, you know, um, several hours um, using the um, uh, the crock pot and. Going through like the whole nine all the prep and stuff, but now I'm going. Okay, I, I want greens within an hour, so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna throw them joints into uh, the pressure cooker. Uh, give it a couple of uh, dabs of liquid smoke just for the additional effect. I use uh, I, I use uh, one of my favorite seasonings is uh, slap your mama, so I'll go ahead and throw <laughs> hey, uh, slap your mama. I've there. heard good things about yeah, slap your mama. Man, yeah, but. and um, and then I'll I'll pre. Um, I'll uh, I'll either brown, um, uh, cubed up, um, it's uh, turkey bacon is one of my favorites that I like to use. And I'll stir fry, uh, pan fry the turkey bacon first, season it uh, with slap your mama. And then once it gets cooked, then I go ahead and throw that in last. And then finally I'll throw in like mushrooms. And yeah, I mean, I've... Like people just be tripping about my greens because they're just like, oh damn, dude, I I didn't expect that these were going to be like good and spicy, and they got this like good smoky flavor to them, but nothing's like overpowering. So So, I'm always judging everybody's places by their greens. That's like, I
2: heard if you add a little bit of baking soda to your greens, mm -hmm. it'll make them more tender.
1: Yeah, yeah, like it to to help speed up the uh, the. uh, I don't I don't want to say like. Um, not disintegration process, but that's kind of what you're doing, right? You're, you're uh, like breaking you're it down de- a bit.
2: Denaturing, yeah. Denaturing. yeah, um, yeah. Or,
1: or even um, I like using um, uh, it's uh, this uh, meat tenderizer that comes from um, uh, pineapple enzymes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like you'll you'll go ahead and you'll throw that on there, and then um, I also like I've uh, I've got a pretty nasty uh, marinated steak recipe that I do. Um, so if you are now, are you vegan by practice or is it just by by proxy because of the establishment?
2: I'm vegetarian by practice. Okay, by nice. practice. Okay. About so
1: practice. Uh, I might like one of these days, um, either if you come up to Minnesota or we uh, come onto to your neck of the woods or we all meet. Like, let's say we all just figured out a way to like go and get up with X over in like, you know, Portland or something. Yeah. Um, we're all just going to have to go ahead and just do like a, like a kitchen party and just cook. Oh, it's going to go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: because I don't know if people know, Decimus is ridiculous in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yo, well, he's crazy. Oh, shit. Like, like yo, like, yo, we yo, if we go in one, two, Mario and Luigi, yo, like, it's, <laughs> yo, it's crazy. <laughs> yo, my guy is, yo, he's, he has a lot of talents. Like, mm-hmm. like, Des is one of those dudes where if he picks something up, he's going to be good at it.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure. yeah. yeah, Yeah. Like, I remember
2: he made a flyer, like, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no!" And he was like, yeah, man. Then we're gonna start making flyers. Then all of a sudden, he's, like, killing flyers. And right. he started DJing. Yeah. Well, he was gonna be a good DJ regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no... Then he started producing. Uh-huh. And that ended up being good. I'm like, yo, yeah. yo yeah. calm
1: down, yo. Leave he's, something he's, for the rest uh, of us.
0: He's life. one of those dudes. Yep. Like everything he touches turns into gold.
1: Yep. Yeah, man. He's just the... Uh, and, and again, that that also tells people that it's possible, right? Like, you see a lot of people who say like, oh, you know, I'm, but I'm not a, I'm not a good dancer, or I'm not a good cook, or I was never good at school, or you know, I don't, I don't understand math or whatever. I'm like, yo, and I'm like, all these things are skills. They they can yeah. all be learned. They can all be practiced. And I think the biggest thing that we do is we deny ourselves. Um, and this is something that we learn like through dance, right? Is the reason why we improve is because we're constantly doing it. It's not like, you know, you go into one practice session and then you didn't go for six months and then come back and then everything you're doing is fire. It's like you you literally have to say, yo, next week I got to sharpen that sword. Otherwise, it's going to get dull. Yep. And that's the difference between like, you know, I used to be a B-boy back in the day or, you know, or I'm a B-boy because I used to do this back when I was like, you know, 15 or whatever versus the person who's like, yo, I've been earning a living at this for Better part of thirty years, and you know sure. I throw jams and I do all this other stuff because of what I picked up, you know the um, uh, the values that I picked up through dance, and and yeah, man, shout out to to um, Decimus because um, again, you know a man of a thousand different talents. I mean, just incredibly skilled, um, very very prolific too. I mean, he's he's one of those dudes who again, there's just something about like the Assassins crew. I wonder if it was all, like, y'all had to just go ahead and take, like, you know, this, like, dance SAT. It was just, because I'm, like, yo, I'm, like, I don't don't see anybody that, like, scored, like, less than 1,500. You know, I'm just, like, going, like, Jesus. You know, everybody's just, like, you know, there's no knuckleheads. And... That is like, uh, I think that that's that that says something rather than like, yo, let's get like this, this phalanx of a thousand people, but only like five of them are actually worth their weight. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed and, uh, have nothing but, you know, admiration and respect for y'all. And, you know, I I look forward to being able to build with you, um, at more events now that everything's starting to open up and with vaccinations and stuff. So
2: I can't wait. I was talking today, man, like, uh, some of the homies in Arizona, yeah, you know, their clubs open back up, so yep. they're back at the club. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yo, son, like I miss the club so mm-hmm. much. Like I haven't had a chance to get with the crew and go out and like and rock in right. like almost three years now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, yo, come on, son. Like, well, and we live in Virginia Beach. That's the one downside to living here. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a, you know, it's a huge military town. Yeah, massive military town. Right. So everything's top forty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, everything everything's top forty in chain restaurants, mm-hmm. um, but they're kind of now in some spots they're starting to get a little bit of culture around here and mm-hmm. trying to like maintain it. Yeah, at a, at a you know, and that, a very high level. So
1: that, that's a that's an important thing that people uh, seem to sleep on about the South, especially is that there's like, um, and it doesn't matter if you're on the Eastern Seaboard or even if you get it like, you know, into like uh, Texas and places like that. There's just all these, like, just these dope little, like, hole-in-the-wall bars and clubs and um, smokeries and places where people are just slaying. And they're like, yo, we've been around since, you know, since the first, um, we're we're one of the first companies to ever actually make whiskey or, you know, we're one of the first companies to um, actually start, you know, mass, uh, like, smoking meat. Uh, prior to that, everybody had like their own little like uh, smoke shacks and stuff, and we're we're one of the places right. that like did it in house, and then we exported it all throughout like the tri-state area or something. So I I'm always recommending to people I'm like, yo man, uh, learn about like different parts of the country, travel, and definitely uh, go on like a food quest because it's amazing when you when when you find the food, you also start to find the art and the culture and the music are all like really close. Someone says like, "Yo, right. man, you, you come out here," and then after that, they say, "Yo, you, you dress like a like a hip hop head, or you you look like a house dancer or something like that." And you go, "Oh yeah," and then they go, "Hey, man," <laughs> and then they want to bring you over someplace. And then the next thing you know, you got this in rather than just like going to like the bar or the club and right. hanging out there for forty five right. minutes. Around a bunch of like Marines and shit, and you're all listening to like Usher or whatever, and you're kind of going like, okay, yeah, this is. That's like
2: Zonk Van Damme and Breaking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just the <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with with the with the Muscle Beach unitard and shit. You know. Oh, that's so gross. Oh my god, yeah, and, <laughs> and it was funny because then he he kind of wore like a variation of that in Kickboxer that was it, it was like a combination of like a muscle shirt and suspenders. And it just like yeah, yeah, and he's dancing with Thai girls, and you know. And the, but, but of course, that w- without that though, we would not have that epic song by uh, Bo Williams, uh, "Feeling So Good Today," which was a classic. So,
2: so good. I gotta come out there. I have to come out there, though.
1: Oh shit, yeah, shit, yeah.
2: I mean, you guys are amazing, but you know why I have to come out there? For Prince. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta go to Paisley <laughs> Park, man.
0: Yeah. Every time, every time people come and visit, I always bring them to First Ave. Mm-hmm. Um I will start bringing people to Paisley Park. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, There's for- a, um,
2: actually a friend of mine uh, named Rob DNA, who's mm-hmm. uh, who's from here. Okay. Uh, one of Chad Hugo's good friends. Okay. Uh, they started making music together at mm-hmm. the same time. He yeah. actually was an engineer at Paisley Park for like 11 years. Okay, word. Oh, wow, okay. So he's the coolest guy on the planet. Right.
1: Uh- this is so funny too. How this kind of came around full circle because uh, I, I didn't mention this in the in the beginning of the podcast, but uh, we almost were going to start like a half hour late because I wasn't sure if I was going to make it here on time because right. I was in a music video earlier today, uh, locking, and it is a video by um, one of our local uh, treasured MCs named Truth Maze, and it is the the track itself is a big homage to Prince, so every dancer that they had was at a different Prince mural in Minnesota. So I happened to draw the one that was right off of West 7th street, uh, like a block away from our crewmate, uh, Tiberius, uh, shout out DJ Ty. Um, and uh there's um there's like this mural of uh Prince's bike right next to the the waters of Lake Minnetonka and right. <laughs> and I'm rocking a Prince uh t-shirt. Uh, I got a purple rain t-shirt that I put on and then um like my locking bowler and all that kind of stuff and I was out there getting getting loose with it even though it was like humid as shit and the camera crew showed up uh, like late. I was there at exactly ass on curb 3:45 when they said okay 3:45 we're going to start at 4. And they didn't show up until like 4:45, and it was something where the producer, um, her phone died, so she couldn't get word out to the rest of the crew to coordinate, and vice versa. Like they kept saying, like, "Hey, let you know, uh, let one of these dancers know, or a couple of these dancers know that we're going to be about like a half hour behind schedule and stuff." So I was just sitting there, just waiting, and then all of a sudden. Chicken. She got back to me. She goes, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to be on their way and stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, hopefully I got enough time. And thankfully, it wasn't like a long shoot. But um, we did have to do like uh, several takes at like different camera speeds and stuff. But, yeah, man, we'd love to have you come out here, take you around, show you, you know. Sadly, because I think First Avenue is like closed, closed. Um, mm-hmm. we, we brought Sneaks out there one time. Uh, shout out to Sneaks from uh, Chicago Tribe. But we brought them out and actually like pointed up to the uh to the catwalk where they were doing the um uh they were doing the school to uh jungle love <laughs> yep and and he's just like oh my god yeah that that was in purple rain i'm like yeah this is where purple rain was predominantly shot and That's he's crazy. like you have got to be kidding me uh this is i've never that this is just nuts and yeah man so we, we would definitely love to have you come out here bring you out there bring you to uh get get some breakfast over at like Brassa. i'll probably bring you over you know, a as long of, as
2: it's before like
1: September. Mhm.
2: Yeah, we'll we, get cold early. Yeah, we, we can
1: we <laughs> can get we can get some <laughs> I mean we you know we, we have um we, we have like the the last big flare up is typically in October where we'll have like mid October is where we'll get like a couple of eighty or ninety degree days and then everything just drops off by October thirty first. And then that that's usually where it's like you know, you gotta you gotta it's get terrifying. out of dodge, otherwise you're gonna be stuck here and you're gonna be like, yo, what's this flaky white shit that's raining from the heavens? Oh, snap. <laughs> Canceled flights? So I gotta shut up snow. my car. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Have you and, and this might be a dumb question because you guys live there. Have you heard the the purple snow compilation?
0: Purple snow compilation, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm.
3: So Mm-mm.
2: the purple snow compilation is a compilation of all the artists from around that area during the prince era okay so like that sound mm-hmm. but like all the different funk bands and stuff that came okay. out of that area yeah oh it's incredible yeah i think it was on okay player like years ago
1: okay yeah so there's
2: some jams on it though
1: I'll, I'll have to look that up because um my there, there's a place that that will bring you to um hopefully it's still like open as, as far as an establishment, but there's a real famous um, music bar called Bunkers and Bunkers is right off of uh, Washington Avenue in the, what used to be called the Warehouse District, but now it's the Rich yuppie loft district Uh, so it's no longer the the place that you go for like raves and like dive bars it's the place that you go because you can afford it um but but there's this bar called bunkers and what was dope about this place and it's like specifically unique to the twin cities music scene is that this is a place where it's like an open stage with sit-in musicians so i was sitting there one day and i'm just having drinks and um and there was a band that was playing like really good funk so i was up there locking i come and i sit back down and then all of a sudden, um, Doctor Fink posts up right next to me, sits down, and starts talking with me. And he's and I am like, I am like, holy shit, you are Doctor Fink! Like, you know, you are part of the revolution. And and he's just like, he's like, yeah. And and then we were just um, uh, chopping it up for a little bit, and then um, he was going to go and, and like sit in on a session um, in a couple of minutes, but he was asking me just questions and I ended up mentioning, you know, that I I mentioned my father who was a a funk musician and he went to um, Washburn uh, high school. And that was the same school that Jimmy jam went to. And uh, Terry uh, Terry Lewis used to come over and they would all jam in the high school uh, band uh, band room. And it was just like, so all the music nerds and, that's like that was the scene that started to to like bud from the uh, early 70s like um out of the late 60s into the early 70s so like you know my father was like in the same kind of category as like you know Morris Day went to a different high school Jimmy Jam went to his school Terry went to his school Prince went to a different like everybody was like all in like different places or sometimes like they knew each other and they went to like the same school but then once everyone graduated high school that's really where like the the Minneapolis music scene started to to just like blossom and everyone was like yo man like all these sounds that just came out of out of Minnesota were crazy
2: so funky man
1: and and also we we have like we also have a, a great legacy um when it comes down to punk rock as well you know um we have a lot of punk and new wave stuff uh, you know we have like bands like the replacements um and also uh, suicide commandos were were a real notable punk rock band that came out and they used to play at a place called Jay's Longhorn and that was a place where black flag played and wow. my dad was at Jay's Longhorn and he was there talking with somebody so like he brought me in Cause I used to roll with him like whenever we'd like run errands and stuff, and we would go like digging for music. We would go to music shops, and then usually he was going to other places to either uh, get paid by the establishment because like maybe they gigged, and then they like, they cut them you know short like a couple hundo or something, or they were establishing like another night for a gig. So we went out to Jay's Longhorn, and we were there for a couple minutes, and then all of a sudden I see who I didn't realize at the time, but it was Henry Rollins that walked by and, and he was still just like, I mean, of course I'm, I was a little ass kid, but just the fact that, you know, he's walking by and this was back when he used to have like the really long jet black hair and was constantly like, uh, he was, he was always like dressed for like functionality. Like either, either he was going to run, work out or fight. So he was wearing like, like an a frame, uh, a frame, uh, shirt and like a, a pair of like cargo shorts and some uh uh some uh what are they called uh like chuck taylor's like high top uh chuck taylor's and he walks by and he um somehow or another he like struck up a conversation with us like m- my dad specifically and everything that he was saying like everything coming out of his mouth was like oh yes sir no sir yes sir you know everything was always sir and my dad was, like, sitting there talking with him and shit. And then all of a sudden, like, the guy from the, the bar walks over and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, th- those are the guys from uh, Black Flag. And my dad was like, yeah, I've heard about them guys. I-, I heard that they were, like, they're, like, L.A.'s most infamous punk rock band. Like, the cops will show up in force whenever they're doing the show. So the only thing they can do is, like, leave California and, like, tour and everything. And right. he's just like, oh, yeah. And he goes, so these guys, like, assholes or something? And he goes, no, quite the contrary. They are all just really super nice, just. It, it's it's the fans that come out that usually start shit and then it just gets it gets nuts and he, and he was like pointing at henry rollins he goes yeah this guy i watched him a stove a dude's head in with a with a mic stand once because the guy came up on stage with a bottle and went at henry so henry just tuned him up <laughs> just like yeah that's par for the course man but You're again, supposed to, man. yeah man and but that's the that's that that's the coolest shit about like, you know, the the music scene was that, you know, everything comes from like this uh, you know, this triple A ball, you know, like farm league kind of, you know, crabs in a barrel and all like scraping to try to like get somewhere. And then finally right. like when you have your come up, people underestimate the fact that you've actually been doing it for about 5 years or 10 years even. I mean, sometimes even 15 years before you finally have like a record that seems to resonate with like, you know, pop culture or whatever but people are like oh yeah you know babes in toyland they've been around for a good long while before you know they they came up on like became part of like the kind of like the grunge they were like on the the coattails of like the grunge scene but a female punk rock band from minneapolis and people were just like oh yeah yeah babes was was the shit and you know soul asylum same thing you know they came up from like duluth and duluth is like three hours north of us but um you know bob dylan came from the um uh the what's it called uh the uh um the iron fields of hibbing which is like kind of northwest of us and stuff and you know it's so it's, it's amazing that we have like all this like um, you know profound art and talent that comes from such a a strange state right you know we we don't have like this like massive metropolitan hub like chicago or new york even And yet we get like all this, you know, just badass art that comes from here. So we're we're really proud. We're we're super super proud of our state. And we anytime that anybody comes out and wants to kick it with us, and they say, hey man, can can you drive me to like where where Prince's dad beat the shit out of his mom in Purple Rain? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll bring you there. You know, can can you bring me to Paisley Park and show me, you know, where uh, where Kevin Smith saw the sign that says that this entire establishment is set to record so you know and then like one of Prince's A&R people was like yeah so if you go to the bathroom don't talk shit about Prince because he hears everything he knows everything you know Kevin Smith was like really and he's just like oh yeah like people have been fired because they simply just decided to go in and go damn I don't know what the fuck this guy wants next thing you know it's just like yeah Steve will you please uh, report to the engineering booth um, as soon as you're done washing your hands and then it's just like yeah you're fired You know, so, yeah.
2: Outstanding. Yo, I I love him even more now. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and then everybody has their weird Prince story. I mean, you know, um, one of mine was uh, going out to Paisley Park, and this is when he was, like, at the height of his JW preaching. So we were out there and standing room, um, and he decided to perform. And then there was a, a a point where he wanted us all to, like, take a knee, and i'd been dancing so like my my legs were just done and i was like i do not have i'm not, I'm not rocking knee pads or anything i do not feel like taking a knee and right. they were like um prince would like everyone to kneel and i'm like i can't do it and it's just like okay well then you're going to have to leave and i'm like all right fine fucking i'm i'm leaving and you know and i end up leaving and then my boy texted me like 15 minutes later and he goes bro he's not even playing music now he's just preaching about jehovah's witness shit it, it's like a recruitment or something and he's like, I'm, I'm feeling indoctrinated right now. Uh, I want to go home. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like.
2: Nah, yo, you, you stay and you listen to Prince. Yep. Damn
1: it. Yeah, you, you stay. And, you... <laughs> and it was so funny because Prince was such a, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, he was such a, um, uh, I don't want to say quagmire, but like he was a real paradoxical kind of a person, right? Where he would do like, he would take like something like JW, which is not about. Celebration in any way, shape, or form. But then he still wanted to bring, like, black gospel influence into what he was doing. You know? And you go, like, okay. Well, again, because Prince is Prince. He's doing things his way. So he just decides, hey, I I want, you know, a camel to be shipped to me at 3 o'clock in the morning in the middle of February on, like, the worst blizzard. I should get that because I'm Prince and I feel like having this. Or, oh, I'm bored. I feel like going to California. So... Get the jet ready. We're, we're going in like twenty minutes. There, there's no like, okay, Prince. Well, we got to figure out the logistics and this and this. It's just like no. It's like all right. We're we're you know getting the plane brought out onto the tarmac and we're waiting for you. So, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that have those stories and they they talk about like also just the the, fa- the fact that Prince was such a fan of music too that he would go out to like other people's shows and do the same thing where rather than like sitting in the front row and waving and having everybody see him, he'd be like up in the rafters with the sound guy watching and then just like just sitting there like a like a kid just you know chin on his hands just watching and then next thing you know someone would get a call that said like oh yeah um uh, we got a call from paisley park and we're gonna go out there next week and then prince would just want to meet your band and then he would like talk to you for five minutes and then be like that is all <laughs> And you fucking go and you're like okay so we're not like getting a record deal or anything no prince no, just no, likes some no, music no. and you're like okay cool or, or That's Pri- enough. Or, or sometimes Prince would even like call you out to like come out there and then just tell you that you were whack. Be like, uh, I, I didn't like your solo. Could could you imagine?
2: <laughs> that would suck. I, I remember, like, I think Dave Grohl was talking about how Prince told him that he didn't like their rendition of "Darling Nikki." Uh huh. But then Prince goes on to do uh, the best of you at the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah. The best rendition ever. Uh huh. <laughs> it's very it's very Prince. Oh yeah. It's extremely Prince. And I, I, I love it. And I, lo- I love all of it.
1: I loved his rivalry with Michael Jackson on the, uh, the James Brown uh, uh, show that they were doing. So great. I mean that, that shit was like what he basically did in that, that little tirade where he got up and he was, he, he sang, he played the guitar. He did this, like this is ripping solo. And then he was kind of like, instead of a mic drop, he like grabbed a prop. It was like a big like signpost or like a, light, a yeah. light post and he just walks and just just pulls his arm out and like just drags the thing off the fucking stage as he's walking. He's like I'm not even going to look at Michael Jackson. He's like
2: And then, then jumped jumped on his giant security guard. Yeah. And like <laughs> Yeah. Just, <laughs> and like, it, <laughs> it rode out. I'm <laughs> like, "Yo, you're the greatest. You're, you're the greatest." <laughs> it, it,
1: it was basically like like he just he, he just did uh he just did a 360 and just dunked on you. It just was like clong, and then he just game and, and, and then and then broke the rim and broke the rim. Dunked, like yep. And then was just like yeah, and, and I, I don't want to play anymore. We're we're done. And Michael Jackson was still kind of just standing there trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. And James Brown was just like, <laughs> James Brown's was just like, listen, I, I ain't getting in between this. Uh, you you, you nah. two can fight it out. <laughs> I've already paid my dues. <laughs> But I I always figured that, like, probably like one of the the dream, the ultimate dreams that I would have uh, loved to have seen, um, would have been if Jimi Hendrix would have survived and like lived through the seventies and did something with Prince. That that would have been probably like my dream collaboration. Just because you would have just had these two just creative juggernauts together in the same room. I'm like, uh, probably like on like a. uh, a quantum uh, mechanics kind of level it would be like no we can't do that because the fabric of the universe would just fucking rip and it would be like this technicolor purple
2: thing. i'm like so if if jimmy if jimmy survived would prince still be prince
1: that's yeah that's a great question would it, it's 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 like uh it reminds me of uh that movie uh, the one right where like all the multiverses of you are all like living at the same time, but if one of you dies, the rest of you—it's a redistribution of power. Like everybody right. becomes a little bit stronger, and a little bit faster, until you finally like whittle it down to just one of you, and then you become a god or the universe implodes. I always wondered about that. I was wondered if it was like Jimi Hendrix had to get out of the way to make room for like Prince and for other artists and stuff, you know. And and yeah, man, it's just like it's it's such a it's such a trippy concept. I mean, same thing with Bruce Lee, right? It, it's it's like. Do you think we would have had Jackie Chan and Jet Li if Bruce Lee was still around?
2: They they be stuntmen. Yeah, you know they, I mean? like, yeah. Jackie
1: would have probably you know still been doing, you know, uh, he, he probably would have been doing a lot of the stunt work for Bruce Lee, like he was. You know, he did the uh, that epic uh, uh, got kicked in the face and like went, you know, flying out of the um, uh, the uh, the draw um, the uh, the paper uh, the Japanese paper window uh Jamie went like across the courtyard in uh, Fist of Fury or the American version was Chinese Connection but he did that stunt without a wire and like just just dove out and like did that fall and Bruce was just like fucking hell <laughs> he's just like you okay <laughs> and Jackie was just, just eating like
2: he himself out of a window
1: yeah you know and Jackie you know was just like you know um you know it's nothing you know uh you know and it's it's nothing and then um he ended up getting killed by Bruce in Enter the Dragon in the uh when he was in the the underground drug lab or whatever he was one of the dudes that bruce like broke his neck and um and then they turn around and said okay well now that you know bruce has gone it created this this really weird power vacuum for like hong kong and the film industry and stuff and then they're even marketing jackie chan as like the next bruce lee jackie chan it was like little like big like booming letters for bruce lee's name and then still he was getting second billing And finally, Jackie just started doing like the thing that we were talking about before about, you know, just inventing your lane and saying, okay, um, I might not be the most charismatic or handsome of uh, of like leading actors or I'm not going to get the girl or I'm not going to be the James Bond suave guy. I'm going to be the clown that's going to fall five stories and land on my neck, but we're not going to do the cut to show, you know, that. You know that this was a stunt guy. It's going to be me, and I am going to get up and I am going to run intentionally up to the camera to let you know that, yeah, I did that fucking fall. And people were just like, "Oh my god, this guy is an absolute psychopath." I want to see the next movie and see if he lives or if he dies. (laughs) You know, and you know he He, had a illustrious career. Yeah, so man, it's it's crazy though, man. I, I think that yeah we we have to we have to give respect where respect's due. You know, to all these. Artists, you know, who pour their, uh, their blood, sweat, and tears, and their soul into these things. And then we kind of take them for granted, you know. You, you watch Bruce Lee movies, or you, you use Muhammad Ali as a point of reference, or you say Jimi Hendrix, you know, this or that. But, I mean, I, I really like going back and, like, listening or watching or reading about them and, like, really understanding, you know, like, if these people even so, knew how impactful they were going to be for, like, generations to come. You know, or if they were just doing their thing, they're just like, "Yo, man, I just kept it moving." The fact that right. you guys all thought it was cool was great, but you know, I wasn't doing it to get props or or be famous or anything. I just want—I needed to make my art, or I needed to show everybody that I am I'm, I'm the baddest man in in the ring, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Man, we're we're, <laughs> we're hitting like the two hour mark. Do you uh, do you have any other uh, bits of uh, philosophical? Oh, yeah, before you waxing. It
2: up. Oh man, yo, do I have any philosophical waxing? I don't think I've been asked that question before. All right. Um wash your ass. One. Wash your two. ass. <laughs> <laughs> we're talk we're talking to you b boys
1: out there. Yeah. Please wash your oh, ass. Oh my god. Yeah, smell yeah like
2: wash both both cheeks in the middle. Like taco 100%.
1: meat and soup. It's like the the common <laughs> B-boy smell.
2: Nah, yo, it's it's cumin. It's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> raw cumin,
1: <laughs> cumin and chronic,
2: <laughs> cumin and onions and onion juice. Like it's, Ugh, yikes! It's like some kind of weird, dirty martini smell you got <laughs> mm-hmm. going Oh man, yo, like yeah, that, that went by really fast. Oh yeah. um, man. I think the most important thing, probably right now, mm-hmm. um. Is if you're doing something for community, actually make sure you're doing it for community. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's a lot of people out out here right now doing a whole bunch of heinous, backwards-ass shit, and, yeah, and using the veil of community to be like, oh well, well I'm protecting my community and and we're protecting it from guests, but we're also guests, right? So right, and it's like, it's like, hey, just shut the fuck up, man. Like, yeah, I
0: was saying, think- just be genuine, right?
2: Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's like it's people who have no. It's almost like somebody drops a five dollar bill, mm-hmm. and somebody steps on it. It's like it was mine. It was mine the whole time. You can't have it. I've you know. It's like guy like right. We we watch somebody else drop it right because you found it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's yours right. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's it's really horrible. Like people are like dividing over really really minuscule mm-hmm. horrible things and once again centering themselves and trying yeah. to and trying to use the guise of community to to milk people dry right for for hood passes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. for internet hood passes at that. yeah yeah like yep it's like i didn't know we we're selling those if i wouldn't known that man like i'd have got a bigger house like,
1: yeah <laughs> well you know this this is something that I, I kind of equated to uh, what happened in the stand-up uh, comedy scene um, with Joe Rogan and uh, Carlos Mencia, right? Carlos mm-hmm. Mencia was, like, he, he replaced Dave Chappelle when Chappelle left the Chappelle show. It was like Bruce Lee passing, right? It was this vacuum. And then Carlos oh, right. Mencia had Mind of Mencia. But all these people in the stand-up um, uh, comedy world We're all like, yo, this guy, he purposely will like, he'll watch you do your set and then he'll turn around and like take your jokes and then he'll open the next night and then do your jokes before you. And then he pays you, you know, he took you on tour or whatever with him and stuff. But basically it's kind of like he's letting you um, uh, pressure test um, writing and rather than saying, right. like, "Hey, man, I want you to write me some jokes, and like I'll work with you and collaborate and stuff like that, and I'll pay you for that, I'll compensate you," it it would almost be like letting Rakim spit, and then the next day you open at a different uh, festival and you literally bite his shit like word for word, and Top then and, bottom. And, and and it was like and Joe called him out right, and Joe um, was ostracized by one of the the big comedy hubs at the time, the comedy store. And he ended up going over to um, uh, a few other places and was like, you know, still around in in different um, capacities. But he's just like, you know what? Fuck the comedy store. I mean, if you guys are going to back this clown, then we don't have a dialogue anymore. We don't have a conversation that we need to have. And then finally, everybody else started getting hip to it and saying like, yeah, man, you know, real recognizes real. We're sick of this shit. And Mencia just, phased out and I think that that's something that kind of happened in the wake of what was going on with the uprising you know um, because I noticed that a lot of what's been going on has been less about um, George Floyd and about the reversal and um, evolution and change of policy and more about Mm -hmm. people just saying like yo what can I do to stand out in this whole uh, train wreck Right. Yep. I mean, we were talking about this before. I was really upset when Al Sharpton came out here um and was doing the vigil because he was not talking about the death of this man. He was addressing Tyrese who was in the crowd, Kevin Hart, um, all these other guests that came out there. And he was like fucking up our, our city's name too. He kept calling us like Mindianapolis and Mindianapolis and all this other <laughs> shit. And I'm like I'm like, yo, I'm like this. Just this just became a, like a red carpet gala event for something that was you know we lost a member of the community and the house community too because George uh, used to bounce at a place that we would go uh, to um, to um, dance and also DJ um, was a place called uh, Conga uh, Conga Bistro um, which is over in um, Northeast and to all of a sudden, you know, have the narrative uh, switch, and it just became about everybody else. And, right. you know, people were just like, oh, yeah, and, you know, it's about, it's about you know, the Trumpa Lumpa in the Oval Office, and it's about this, and it's about that, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, fact of the matter is, some really fucked up shit happened to a Minnesotan, and we can't stand for it. But at the same time, let's not lose sight of the fact that we still have to um, protect... The people in our community right and that that exists in the house community as well as the hip-hop community if someone's wrong you check them and you say okay but you know we're gonna have a dialogue we can't just have this cancel culture shut you down um block you ignore you ghost you and then continue to like bite at your heels even though you can't even have your uh your say or or speak your piece in court because that's that's what happened in the cultural revolution in china right it was like you know Mao was able to get the college students to rebel and actually remove his political enemies, and then he turned around and goes, Okay, I very reluctantly will take on the mantle of being the chairman for another term, you know because it 's the will of the people when in actuality he instigated it through the universities and through the schools and got people to like believe in this indoctrination, and they were no longer thinking for themselves and saying, like, Hey, you know what, actually we need to um we need to do things in a very pragmatic and realistic approach. They, they just flat out just like threw the baby out with the bathwater. They're like, we're going to take doctors and ship them out to become pig farmers as part of their re-education. We're going to imprison opera performers because they're part of the old culture. Um, we're going to, you know, imprison or kill intellectuals. We're going to remove anybody that can speak out against us in any way, shape, yep. or form with like either science or art or truths. And then once you remove all of that stuff, now you can pretty much do whatever you want. And then of course, as history shows, it doesn't. It does. It's not going to give you a pass because you might have been the one that helped get the czars out of Russia. But then five years later, you know, all of a sudden someone decides, oh, hey, guess what? You're a political enemy now. Even though you helped to lead that revolution, you're no longer useful. So we're going to fucking we're going to we're going to put you in the gulag, and. That, that's the thing that, that breaks my heart because it's like for me, especially when it came down to like house dancing and house community, you know, I feel like it's the most progressive, you know, where we're, we're yeah. all people that are just like, yo, we go to a place where we all agree that the music is dope. The environment is great. Come as you are. Dance. Have a good time. Be good to one another. Be good to yourself. And everything's going to be fine, you know. And when people start putting a, um, a, a price tag on that and saying like, okay, well you know what you guys are all you know secretly you know uh, uh racist or sexist or misogynist or or whatever is. is i'm like if if, if you're going to if you're really going to you know put somebody on blast like that like the old african proverb be wary of the person that points their finger cuz they've got three fingers pointing directly back at them right i think about that and i'm like yo man you might have some skeletons in your closet. You might actually be doing this for nefarious purposes. You're not really doing this because you're righteous and um um believing that you know what you're doing is is honest and legit. You probably are just like, yo, I just I love gaslighting and talking shit and I got this sense of power. I can cancel people and I can mute people and all that stuff man it' just it it's just it gives me a terrible headache because. I love the fact that I can go, and you know, be able to vibe with, you know, the the uh, the Earth Tribe under the sun, right? Like you know, in those in those those dark clubs, we're all the same color, we're all the you know the same people, we're all in agreeance. Like nobody's out there to, you know, put one over on somebody else or start shit or create drama. We all want to vibe and have a good time. And here's
2: the 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 overarching issue is is two things, mm-hmm. and so anybody listening I'm, I'm gonna say this number one, there is no monolithic magical black person that speaks for all of us right so that that's yeah that's one <laughs> facts like so you know we we all have different ideals and and different things, and you mm-hmm. know wrong is wrong and right is right mm-hmm. but, but um yeah, no, that's. That's not it. Mm-hmm. And you also notice that a lot of the people who start pointing these fingers and doing all this stuff, they're not going after the problem.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: They're going after people who mind their business. Right. People who are quiet, people who, you know, who don't want trouble. Right. People who are just trying to, you know, make their way through existence. And, right. and you know, figure themselves out. hmm And... You know, they're, they're, they're picking easy targets. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the time is going to come where you're going to th- think you got an easy target and you don't.
1: Right. I mean, you, you, you fuck, like the bully fucks with the the wrong person. They don't realize that that, that person's a black belt.
2: And it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. And it's over. Uh, what after that, man? Like, just be, be good to each other. Like, yep. don't be a dick. Like, show love and show support to whoever
3: mm-hmm.
2: like don't worry so much about who's not doing the work mm-hmm. like hold down who is right 100 that's like that's it. i feel like we got to talk about house we, have, we haven't talked about house a lot yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> back to house music
0: mm-hmm. oh talk about house music or house house
2: house culture house, house culture, culture house music yeah house everything yeah i feel like yeah we, we didn't touch that I'm, yeah I'm here. let's let's yeah. go
1: ahead and, and delve into that a little bit so too deep too fast so um were you would you have always considered yourself a house head going back to uh, new York or was it like did you really start to kind of be um like was this something that like you discovered later in your uh in your life and in um, your move to virginia beach
2: um i was always i I wasn't a house head okay i I can't i can't take that that title until i got here okay until i was able to like get to the club but um my older brother in new york was a bouncer at a whole bunch of house clubs okay so so he would bring us you know 10 city yeah you know yeah yeah (laughs) 10 city byron stingley frankie Mm -hmm. knuckles like he had all that stuff Mm -hmm. and so you know my little brother and i we we always had house music and then Mm -hmm. at um at like, uh, family cookouts, you know, you had, like, Follow Me and uh, mm-hmm. Break for Love and, yeah. you know, all the old-school joints that I didn't think they were house music. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't... It wasn't a thing to me. It was right. just, like, the music that my, my aunts and uncles played. Mm-hmm. And even in New York, when you go to the club, when you get out of the club at about, like, 3, 4 mm-hmm. in the morning, like, somebody's playing house on the radio. Yep. Like, I think... I'm, I'm, it might have been Louis Vega, like, a couple nights. Yeah. For sure. Mm. But, um... Yeah man and then uh, I moved here um through breaking mm-hmm. we got invited to some clubs one of them happened to be a house club mm-hmm. and we met some of the uh, OGs out here and shortly after that I met Decimus and that's mm-hmm. when I like became like a full on yeah. like like house head
1: So so uh give us a little bit of a um, origin story on on that encounter of uh meeting Decimus
2: So Decimus and I were uh We were a part of two different, uh, quote unquote, rival dance teams Mm -hmm. here at the, uh, you know, in the seven cities. Mm -hmm. Uh, His dance team came from an old domain university, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, right up the road. Um, And mine wasn't. And so we both joined these teams late. Mm -hmm. They had beef with each other. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they would just go to workshops. They would go to jams and they would just be beefing Mm -hmm. the whole time. And we're like, and somehow we were both like, why? And so <laughs> there was one workshop that we went to. You know, we bumped into him. He was, um he was housing and I'm like, oh, yo, like you house dance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, how do you know about house dance? Mm-hmm. Like, cause like nobody around us knew anything about house dance mm-hmm. or at least nobody in our, in our age yeah. bracket. And I was like, Oh man, and you know, I kinda of told him like where I was and where I was going. And he was like, Word. And so, you know, we kinda of started, you know, talking after that. And then shortly after, we um, we taught a workshop together. Okay. Like in, in spite of both of our teams. We're mm-hmm. like, Y'all, y'all are y'all are stupid. Like, why are we doing yeah. this? Like we taught a class together, um, ended up being a lot of fun. And the practice time that we have for cl- for, for that specific class actually ended up turning into us doing like weekly house sessions and you know getting music and at the time I was traveling up to um to DC to do um excuse me to do uh hosting gigs for uh for house Mm -hmm. and uh and for urban artistry at the time okay so like uh shout out to Iron Man Mm -hmm. um yeah man and so I was you know traveling back and forth uh he joined Zulu not too long after Mm mm-hmm and then uh, that's when I think he joined like right after I took over. Okay. And then we started traveling together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he met House, and you know they hit it off. And he kind of he he said he sat under the tree, man. Mm-hmm. And and we've been like the best of friends ever since, man. Like that's that's my brother. Like yeah, nice. Like I can't like I can't I can't state that enough. Mm-hmm. And I need people to know because like you know i'll 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 end somebody for my man you know, okay? like, and so people i think people use the word like family like loosely, yeah right but like that's like that's that's family like yeah
1: it, it, he's it, the only it, person to curse in front of my mom and survive <laughs> <laughs> but but that's because the way that decimus does it he's got such a uh, uh for lack of a better term he's like He's like Lando Calrissian, right? He could just he he could say some shit that's like super insulting, but have it so charming and suave (laughs) that you're just kind of like. I know you just called me a motherfucker, but you just just curse me out. And he's just like, "Oh,
2: Billy D. Williams' ass." Yeah, oh, I can't wait to call him that. Oh, that's, well, right, well that.
1: one of his uh, one of his one of his house uh, his house aliases because uh, on the episode that he was on, um, I wanted to honor the thread count by the AKAs. So, you know, oh. so one one of the AKAs that I gave him was Talcum X, and then the other one was uh, Thrilly D. Williams. And he was just like,
2: "Thrilly D. Williams, that is outstanding."
1: <laughs> so yeah, we. We, we we were clowning about that shit because, you know, I always loved the fact that uh, y'all had that dynamic on the thread count as well. And, and y'all would be like, you know, AKA, you know, this, AKA that, AKA cream corn, AKA, I'm not finished, you know, and then right. and then go into some wrestling reference references <laughs> and shit. And I'm just like, oh, man, these these are my fucking dudes right here. So. Oh,
2: man. yeah Yeah. And uh, I'm. That's one of the that's one of the deepest and and greatest friendships like I've ever had in my Mm -hmm. entire life. Yeah, like it's 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 rare you 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 meet people like that, and I've been blessed to meet several. Yeah, so like
1: and and it's it's interesting because you know I got um I got introduced to to Decimus uh, by way of Jardy, who was like our oh nice. So like if 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 you were to say like um, house was like was like uh, y'all's uh, Yoda, then ours over here would would be Jardy. Uh, Jardy was like definitely like the main guy that we would always like be connecting with and being like, hey, guess what? I'm I'm going out to this place, and then he'd be like, all right, cool. I'm gonna put the feelers out and let you know if somebody can like you know put you up or host you or tell you where the clubs are, or what have you, and stuff. And that that was literally what happened. I was going out to Oregon, and um, uh, Jardy was able to, you know, he was just like, yo, look up Decimus. He's like, my man will take care of you. I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, just within, like, the first, like, 30 seconds of meeting him, I was just like, all right, I already like this motherfucker. The fact that we knew all the same people, we were all talking about Don Tony, and we were like, oh, yeah, so, oh, yo. you, so, so you, went, you went to Don Tony's place? Yeah. It's like, oh, you almost get shot? He's like, yeah. He's just like, man, <laughs> living in the rough-ass part of the Bronx, and Don Tony, of course, is, like, giving you the uh, – it's it's almost like the, the Hollywood uh, – uh, what's that? That that double decker bus? The you know, tour bus. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, like he's tour. like, yo, that's the place where uh, you know so and so from Rocksteady, you know, shot, shot that guy thirty seven times in the face. But I ain't the one to gossip, so you ain't hear that from me. Okay, I'm gonna tell you about this. Oh, you realize that you know this is the place where this dude ha- this happened to this dude, and I'm like, oh shit. And so you know, shout out to Don Tony because uh, he is Don definitely Tony. an institution that needs to be. Uh, uh, recognized and loved and respected he's he's a top flight dude and also he'll be uh, a chef
2: he'll be here soon actually
1: oh word okay nice is yeah, he just he
2: has uh he has family here
1: yeah yeah because his sister, his sister, his sister. yep yeah because because yeah, yeah. uh, uh, he bounces between like uh virginia um and uh, florida i think too
2: yeah and we we're yeah. like somebody called and they we're like yo don tony's here i was like That don't sound right. Like
1: what?
2: (laughs) And sure enough, like we reached out, like yo, where are Mm -hmm. you? He's like yo, like I'm in Virginia Beach. Like what Mm -hmm. the hell are you doing in Virginia Beach? Like he's like I got family here. I'm like Mm -hmm. yo, it's the smallest world ever, yo. Like oh yeah,
0: that is crazy.
1: Yep, yep, yep. But (laughs) yeah, that dude. Oh my gosh. So, so, um, uh, another house house question for you. Um, Okay, so so primarily um and this is this is like a two-parter so first off what was the first street art style that you gravitated to dance wise uh
2: my first style was popping
1: popping okay Mm. and then did you branch into um any of the other avenues after that point did you start like fucking with uh breaking or locking or anything or was it just like strictly popping
2: um it was popping for a while okay uh then house okay um, I got into top rock. I'm I, I'm not a B boy. Mm-hmm. I got into top rock because I was housing. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, you know, it, and it's, uh, it makes sense. It's like, like an easy hand, transition. They go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Right. And shout out to uh mean mean 187. Oh word, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mean 187 is is my guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's been he was a, a massive influence. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was here. He was he's one of our greatest exports. Mm-hmm. And so he, he trained my brother. Okay. And then through that, you know, I kind of got some some top rock gems. So that became a thing. Okay. Uh, locking, locking, yeah, you know, basics. Nothing, yeah. nothing crazy.
1: Okay. And then the second part is, um, so you did mention that you, um, you got into house. Um, so do you, because I, I like asking this to, to people who are like connected to both like the house and hip hop. Communities. Um, so, do you feel like these are like um, elements that conflict with each other, or do you feel that they're complementary?
2: Um, they're complementary. I think mm-hmm. everything's complementary at one point or another, man. Right, yeah, exactly. But I think that's the beautiful thing about house. House is like all-encompassing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's, and I, I might get shot in the face for saying this, but I feel <laughs> like it's 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 the vibe more so that pulls you into house. Yeah. Than what the actual movement is yeah so true you know uh-huh. yeah for sure it's like um even if i'm if i'm popping the house music it's mm-hmm. gonna look completely different because right. of you know the 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 vibe of the room the vibe of the music yeah so yeah but so i think they're they're definitely complimentary uh there's a lot of waves and mm-hmm. a lot of isolation that yeah. happens you know it's like yeah it's, it's one of those things like um I try not to put them too close to each other,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like unless like I'm 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 jacking, like right. I'm, I'm going off, pause. yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> You're like a Tony uh-huh.
0: McGregor going on, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also, and but yeah, but the first style I the first style I learned from House was popping, okay, mm. and then I was like, wait a minute, but House House dances, mm-hmm. he's also like a crazy, like a, a ridiculous popper, yeah. So of course my my Jack has that natural, you
1: know, like pop to it a little bit. So so you like you hit and like knee bob and stuff yeah 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 yeah. and then and that's a um that's a that's a thing that i i kind of equate house in a lot of ways to like um skateboarding and uh hear me out here but it was like there was always like that thing about like if you were a skater you could be like uh you were like intertribal Because, you know, you could be, like, doing this one specific discipline, but then be affiliated with guys who wrote graffiti and b-boys and b-girls. And you were an MC or you were a DJ or you went to raves or you, you know, you did all kinds of other stuff. And that's, like, that's something that I think that um, people seem to really underestimate when they they see, like, a house dancer and, like, house heads and stuff. They kind of go, like, oh, you know, you're into that fucking – that – Techno, EDM looks like shitty breaking. You know, you guys are dragging around on the floor, <laughs> kind of thing, right? You know, shitty breaking is hilarious. Yeah, you know, and, and like, <laughs> you know, shitty breaking. And they, it was they, there was like, or, or like lazy breaking. Like, Whoa, wh- why are you guys doing all that fucking draggy, slow, flowy bullshit on the floor and everything? Because I'm feeling it. Bro. You know, and you're like, I'm feeling it, bro. And plus, the ketamine just kicked in, man. I, I can't feel my lips. <laughs> I'm, just, you know, um, but it. It's it's funny, though, because then, like, oftentimes the people that are, like, the most leery and the most skeptical all of a sudden become, like, true believers. Like, you, you see them, like, a couple of years later, and they're like, yo, man, I, I used to shit on you about that stuff all the time, but now I'm just... I, I've been fucking with House for a bit, or I've been listening to House music, or I've been following certain DJs, or I found, like, my niche. Like, they might be like, okay, well, what we listened to at the club that one time, I didn't really think much of it but then I heard Afro House for the first time I heard Black Coffee and I was like oh my god what the fuck is this and you're like this is house music and they're just like word and you're like yep and it's just like guess what there's something for everybody here and that's the thing that I always loved and appreciated about house was that um you you can really seem to find you know um something that resonates with you that doesn't have to be like okay so this is what it is it's only going to be like the Chicago blueprint or no, it's got to be the New York hardcore blueprint, or it's got to be the, um, the, the LA, uh, lounge blueprint, right? Like the, like the O.M. beats kind of, um, you know, <laughs> blueprint. It's like, nah, man, you, you go all over the world and you're going to find different, different sensibilities, different takes, things that blended together, stuff that lived in a vacuum, you know, and, um. And, and, and that's what, that's what I really that's what I really dig about it is just the fact that it's so multifaceted whereas um, even within hip-hop you see that expanse happened as well and you started getting different sounds right you've got the New York sound you've got the dirty South you've got the Miami bass, you've got you know the Neptune's sound it's like a very sure. particular vibe right um, you've got like the West Coast um, uh, people that, that bang. And then you also have, you know, the Bay Area book, bang, uh, book bag MCs, you know. And and then, you know, you, you get, like, you know, even the Pacific Northwest, man. You get, like, guys like Omega Watts, you know, who's, like, the Jay Dilla of Portland, in my opinion. You know, amazing, you know, beat maker and stuff in a very unique style that's, like, specific to that region and stuff. Right. So, yeah, man, I, I'm... I just I love I love the variety because it it kind of sucks when you say that okay this is what the song or the dance or whatever is supposed to be and it's a very like rudimentary thing that just kind of exists in its own little bubble and it doesn't get a chance to you know change or develop or you know have different like aspects to it or different flavors and sensibilities it's like no it's got to be done exactly the way that it's always been I'm like yo that's that's how you That's like, like the last thing I ever want to do is have a like a music style like house become like Latin, right? I don't I don't ever want it to be a dead language.
2: Steps, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, but yo, it's there's something special and like spiritual about house, mm -hmm. like in it, but and it's not relegated to like one genre, like not one subgenre of Mm -hmm. house music. But like that first time, like you catch a ghost Mm -hmm. and like you're you're out of here, yeah. Like you'll never want to dance anything else ever again in life. Right. like It's the truth. Because, yeah. like you can, cause you can chase it in any other dance style, and you yeah. won't find it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like it's it, it's just this it's this weird uh, place when when people ask me like what the what's the allure and and I say you know it's not even it's not even the competitive side of it. It's not even going to like a house dance competition. It's always been the pre party or the after party or the club. That's really where the truth of house is, is it's, it's in the void, it's in the cipher. And there's just those times, man, where it's like, you, you just, you, you feel it just, it, it, it's like an undertow, right? Like you, you fall off the surfboard and now you're just, you're underwater. And the only thing that you can do is just accept the fact that the ocean has you. So you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here and just exist until I finally figure out which way is up. And it's so amazing when like you'll be dancing and then all of a sudden like you'll just catch you'll just catch a groove and that groove everyone goes like bro you were were gone like your eyes glazed over and you were just but but what you were doing was incredible it was impressive but where the fuck were you because this was not you this was just some some other shit. You know, and, and then, then I, you
2: come out. You're like, "What I do?" Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, I kind of felt like I was hovering over my own body. It's like, yeah, oh you, you took on, you took on the shape of a unicorn. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, and, and and yeah, man, it's like, and, and the thing is that we're always chasing that dragon, aren't we? You know, we we go out to the club and we always hope that that night a DJ is just gonna have the right record at the right time, the right sound system. The the floor, everything is just... The circumstances were all just there. And then it's just like, bam, you just have this alchemy that happens. And sometimes you can kind of tell when a person's not having a good night because they went out to the club and it just wasn't lining up for them. It's just like, you know, some some uh, some top 40 house DJ that's playing... And you know, there's a bunch of spectators that are standing, you know, there, and like you're sure trying to
0: spectator shufflers, and
1: all yeah, that you know, shit, or man. you know, the, the that that one chick who always brings out the hula hoop, and you're just like, yo, I I just I just want to I just want to like skate in peace. I I, I don't want to have you know a fire swallower and you know a belly dancer and you know Get this boy away from me, yeah, <laughs> the fucking contortionist, <laughs> all like in the same cipher. It's like if we're gonna have that exchange, it's like. Like the big thing for me too is like, um, it's gotta be based on the music. So if they're doing something that's aesthetic based to the music, then I'm like, okay, I'm I'm with this party. You know, but when people are just kinda like, you could change the the radio dial, like five, six, seven different genres, and they're still gonna just be doing the same thing they were doing. That's like that's like when you watch like a B Boy on a power run and you go, Yeah, you are not dancing to this fucking music. You are doing a gymnastic set, an athletic feat, which is impressive. But Very. you're not dancing. And, yeah, that's that's the thing I, I love about House is that we really take it so serious. But at the same time, it's like it's a free-spirited thing, but it's also like a thing where we all go out there like northern soul dancers. We bring our shoes. We stretch. Throw just stupid amounts of talcum powder on the floor. Hey, <laughs> powder, baby. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? And you're like, shh. This is sacred ground. We're, we're consecrating it right now.
2: <laughs> I remember the first time I saw you know, like... Like I almost died. Yeah, like, like <laughs> we like we went to the house club the first night, Uh-huh. and because uh, there's nowhere else to dance, we're like, oh, hey, we're going to this this house event." Mm-hmm. And we get there, and there's like baby powder like lining the wall. Yeah, and but I had like just bought like a fresh pair of chucks. Okay, so I still had like the fur. Uh huh. Like, yeah. Oh man, yo! Like I stepped out, I was like, yeet. <laughs> Was like, it wasn't. It wasn't smooth at all. It was not a good look. And <laughs> I was like, "Yo, going. yo, what's up with the baby powder? Yo, who's who got roaches? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Imagine
0: <laughs> if you were wearing rod labors. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. These bitches are fucking. Oh my goodness. I don't understand. Everybody's sometimes. like favorite house shoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely like, not. Definitely not mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Man, it was it was funny cuz just a couple nights ago um at uh, the house session over at All Day Studios on Thursday, it was it was mad humid in there and I was joking around with Ozzy about it. I said this is like it's like trying to it's just like Ephron Reyes trying to play pool in the Philippines where they would just have to like coat the entire pool table with a shit ton of baby powder and then like just a whole bunch like right on your hands so that way when you break you're not going to like rip skin off of you as you're trying to like, you know, uh, break. Um so we're out there, and we're putting baby powder down. We're like powdering up our shoes, and it didn't even matter. It's like as soon yeah, as we dude, got,
0: could not put in more. I could not slush. put enough fucking baby powder on the floor. Yeah, like I, I, I was literally walking back. Like every after every other round, I would walk mm-hmm. back and like douse some baby powder. I'm like, this shit is just not happening tonight. Yeah,
1: awesome. I, I ended up doing a. Yeah, you got to give it up, a, right? A brave, a brave yet stupid because it could have been very risky but I, I did a run where i just i went out and i did an entire set in my socks i was just like yo i'm just i'm i'm just going to i'm just going to do this i'm i'm just going to go for it cuz i'm so sick and tired of like all this traction i'm going to pull a hamstring and i did and surprisingly i didn't eat shit i was like okay control well, that's good. poise <laughs> good lofting you know it, and and that was the thing that i felt like really nice about and this makes sense why when you watch like ejo um, when you see him um, hit the floor in Chucks with, you know, a obscene amount of baby powder, like not even like ten feet away from him, like this Tony Montana pile, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and he's just like
2: a gold bond. Yeah. Like, just fucking.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. I want what's coming through me, Chico. Or oh, what's that, Tony? House dancing. But house dancing. But but you watch him, and when all of a sudden, like you notice that he's got no drag on the ground, like he is just able to completely like utilize that whole floor and you're just watching him and you're just like, shit dude. Okay. This makes sense why people do this. And then you go back to like, you know, having the e-brake on and like every step that you take, your shoes are squeaking and shit. You're like, yeah, this is great when I'm breaking, you know, cause if I'm doing a six step, I don't want my feet to slip out from under me. But when I'm lofting and I'm like trying to do like all these like intricate threads and everything, I kind of want that slip and I want that ability to be able to like, change my pressure to my hands and like just slide and like pick my feet up and then slide back down to the floor again and you know dolphin and everything so yeah man it's it, it kind of it gives you a whole other level of appreciation for those who love that johnson and johnson <laughs> so not the vaccine, Good old but, you know, Johnson, yeah. not, not the vaccine, but the powder. Yeah, the powder. Yeah, we, we, oh, yeah no, definitely not the vaccine. Yeah,
2: if you take that vaccine. The only thing you slip into is the upper room. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we should. Uh, we should definitely wrap, wrap it up. Yeah, we should definitely wrap it up. <laughs> way no past, doubt. Way past the two hour mark here.
1: Yeah, we're we're at that that two hours and fifty. minutes We're at, so. at that
0: mark where people are like, all right, dudes. <laughs> yeah all right guys wrap
1: it up <laughs> but yo uh will thank you so very yeah, much thank for you, taking the time appreciate to appreciate it man um on to uh Dress uh podcast yeah, yeah. and uh we we had uh, a great time um really looking forward to meeting you like in the real because yeah, yeah you know yeah. we hear nothing but great things i and-
0: think uh if anything what what, uh, what i want to do because we've had a few people uh on the podcast already a lot of them was just through through this through video mm-hmm. conference but um like one main thing is to have everyone again, but this time in person. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. The, so, yeah,
2: yeah. Hey yo, let's let's do it. Let's do a, a thread count in styles and driz. Oh my god, that would be dope. That would
0: be yeah. super dope. I'd, I'd be up for it. We're down. I'd have to work on my Ks. AK,
2: aks
1: aks. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was what was Yo, the, just, what was the one I gave you? Uh, Beef Swellington. I don't know. Yeah, man. Beef Swellington.
2: Yo, that's incredible. Yep, There's this dope too. I've been going with 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 Thick Flare recently. Thick Flare. Thick yes. Flare. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Woo
1: woo! <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to think of um oh uh, what was it the uh, what was what was uh Hulk Hogan's name his alias and. Uh, Rocky three, Thunder Lips. I was thinking like oh, no. like like Thunder Hips. <laughs> that'd be that'd be thunder a good one lips, too. Thunder, thunder Hips in the flesh, baby. <laughs> All right everybody. Wait a minute.
2: <laughs> is that is that futures nickname? Thunderlips
1: Thunder Lips or Thunder Hips?
2: <laughs> thunder Hips. We'll <laughs> talk about it later. Like, <laughs> thank you guys for having me, man. Like yeah, I, I, yeah, I really th- appreciate th- it. Thank you, man. Will. I, I had a blast.
0: Appreciate it, man.
1: All right, brother. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you, everybody at home, for tuning in to another episode of Styles and Driss. And uh, we're going to go ahead and catch you on the rebound. So, uh, you know, work out, stay strong, take your vitamins, say your prayers.
0: Lots of prayers.
1: Lots of prayers. All right. All right, Will. Peace. All right, deuce. deuce.
0: Oh, wait.